the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Out of the Dark, starring Cameron Dye, Lynn Danielson-Rosenthal, and Karen Black. Hello everyone, this is Bobo. Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. Joining me as always is my co-host, Corey Stevenson. Corey, how are you tonight? Hey, Bobo. How are you doing, you strong, sexy man? Oh, I just want to feel your your hands all over my body. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, hey. What are you doing in my house? Oh, I gotta go. I'll be back later. <laughs> what the fuck? Fucking Bobo. Just happened there. <laughs> Bobo was in my house. Hey, everybody. Sorry I'm late to the show. It's me, Zach. Yeah, Corey's here. I'm here. Bobo is here. I have no idea how he got in our house. He was wearing a clown mask. <laughs> He's out for the minute. Hopefully he won't come back. If he does, well, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was having fun with Bobo. <laughs> I don't know what I just walked in on, but yeah, judging by the look on your face and the sweat on your brow, obviously something was happening. What's up, everybody? Yeah, we're talking about uh, 1988's Out of the Dark. This is Erin Gilmer's pick. She is a Patreon. Uh, subscriber if you want to pick a film for us to break down you can be a patreon subscriber too if you're not already that's at the highest tier thank you aaron for bringing this movie to the table um and having some creeper in my house for some reason oh my god but uh we're gonna talk about out of the dark yeah it's a 88 film and Aaron chose this. Um, I'm sure we can get her on a wrap up or we'll, we'll yeah. trying to find a way to get her on the wrap up to discuss why she chose this movie in particular. Um, but my really quickly, my familiarity with this movie is very small. I've heard about it. I've known about it. I just have never seen it. I've seen clips uh, on maybe late night Cinemax. And boy, oh boy. What a shame I didn't see it then, and thank God I've watched it twice in the past couple of days. Uh, Corey, what's your connection to this movie? Probably the exact same as you. I, I've never seen the movie in its entirety. Probably caught bits and pieces of it on Skinamax late at night because there's tiny, tiny sparks of familiarity when I see it, but nothing that I could, I could comment on or anything. Uh, if anything, I'd probably... And more familiar with the the movie poster for this, uh, the the beautifully illustrated version uh, of that of that movie poster. Um, I, I totally forgot the artist's name, but he did a lot of Italian horror films and stuff. Um, name starts with an E. Anyways, 
somebody's driving off the road right now yelling at me. <laughs> but um, it's not as bad as uh, me with uh, Fabio Fritzi. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, oh my, you got it wrong again. <laughs> Sorry, David Irons. <laughs> but yeah, dude, David Irons is here too. What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, dude, synth and sleaze. That's uh, that's how I sum this movie up. And Aaron, thank you, thank you. Oh my god, so. So much. And uh, Zach and I talked about this uh, offline. It's going to be a bit difficult for us to discuss this movie um, spoiler-free because it, it's kind of, it walks the line between thriller and slasher, you know? So it's got that thriller element, that mystery element. But Yeah, it's a whodunit, it's, yeah, basically. It's a whodunit slasher. And But Zach and I, there's going to be things we need to talk about during this breakdown and everything uh, that pertains to the end. So uh, just guys and gals, I implore all of you, track this down, go watch it before you listen to this because, man, this movie is a wild fucking ride. Yeah, once we get past the trailer, you know, we will. I will do my, my uh, 2XL. If you do not want to be spoiled, turn this off. Turn this off right now. Boop and turn it off and then come back to it later go on amazon buy it trust us guys thank god that this is available on dvd um because it's not available in any other format i think you can rent it on youtube but you you really do yourself a favor and get this film and i echo what Corey says and and thank you aaron this is is such a great uh, gem of a film so much to talk about on so many levels it it really is one of the first movies in a long time that I haven't seen that checks all the boxes off where I'm like, I know I can see now why I didn't see it back then, but my God, I'm so glad I've, I've seen it now. Yeah. Uh, same dude. And it's, you know, it's interesting. We don't usually get to uh, uh, review a movie that neither of us have seen. And it seems right now that ne- that both of us also freaking love. Uh, so, so it's, this is going to be fun, but one more disclaimer, uh, Zach, I don't know about you, but I couldn't really find much information on this film. Uh, the IMDb uh, trivia was bare bones. It was literally, this is Divine's last movie, and that's that's all there was uh, pretty much to it. And then the DVD doesn't have like anything on it, uh, and even no. subtitles, much to Zach's chagrin. Uh, so I do apologize if I don't bring as much knowledge to the table on this one, because I truly... Don't know much about this movie, but I don't think there's going to be any lack of things to talk about while we uh, break it down. No, there where where we may lack in like fun fact trivia tidbits will be made up with just our overall gushing over certain scenes <laughs> and the aesthetic and whatnot, because there's a lot to talk about. There is. Um, but yeah, but re- really quick before we get to the breakdown of the movie and all that and all that jazz and all that jazz. Uh, Erin Gilmer has a show called Manic Movie Monday, and you got to check it out. She talks about just cult avant-garde, different stuff, everything from kind of sleazy to super mainstream, obscure stuff. Uh, really fun show. I've been on it. Corey will be on it. I'll be back on it. Dustin from $2 Lafey will be on it. It's a really hoot of a show. You should really check it out. She talks about a lot of movies that you might have heard of, but never never got that deep on and she makes it really fun and accessible for everyone to listen to. And she's got some really fun interviews on there too. She talked to somebody from black Christmas. She's got a 
killer musician on there from the 80s. I think that's her one of her newest interviews. But anyways, go check out Manic Movie Monday podcast. It's on Spotify. Give her a nice rating because she's a sweet person and we love her and she's a friend of ours and we support our friends. But if their content sucks, we don't talk about it. <laughs> there you go. There you Case go. Case in point, my little brother. No, I'm kidding. Oh I'm my totally God, kidding. Sean, I'm kidding. Sean, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Does Sean he have doesn't a listen. No, okay, he doesn't. But okay. he's like, oh, I could have done that. And like, then do it. No, he didn't say that to me. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, we hear about Eric a lot on this show, but uh, we haven't heard about Sean in a while. And <laughs> I have, I actually have experiences with this Sean. So maybe one day we will, we will discuss. Oh, them. my little brother. Who knows? Maybe he'll make an appearance on podcasting after dark. Uh, yeah, who knows? love that dude. <laughs> God bless him. God bless him. But uh, yeah, really quick before we talk about the cast. Uh, hold on one second. I got to grab one thing. Oh, good, he's gone. It's me, Bobo. I'm back to talk about my favorite thing, the cast of my favorite movie that Aaron Gilmer brought to the table. Thanks, Aaron. I know you'll be expecting a call from me later. And don't forget, no extra business in Bobo's act. Normally, I don't like someone standing me up, but Corey, you do a really good impression of me. <laughs> I give it a A, a plus. Mm. A plus scraped nipples with knives. Oh, yeah. You know how I like it. You know who else knows how I like it? Cameron Die. He plays Kevin in the movie. What do you know Cameron Die from, Corey? Uh, hold on, I gotta pull him up. <laughs> um, yeah, so apparently he was in Valley Girl, which is a movie that oh yeah <laughs> that Myra and I are gonna watch pretty soon. Uh, I gave actually uh, uh, Myra some options the other night. Valley Girl was one of them, but she picked uh, Earth Girls Are Easy, and uh, oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> but if you want to see Cameron die. In one of his best roles, you should see Valley Girl. Clearly, his best role is out of the dark, but yeah, he's great in that. Have you ever seen Valley Girl? I haven't personally. I, I Oh, <laughs> you're missing out. <laughs> he's been in a lot of great movies. Fraternity Vacation, he's great in too. That's on my uh, very high on my watch list as well. That's per Zach's uh, recommendation. Yeah, he's great. He's been in so many great things in the 80s and 90s. Did you know he was married to Laura San Giacomo? Oh, oh, well, that's interesting, considering Zach uh, is interviewing her for $2 late fee. That, that's actually pretty wild. Yeah, I, I, I locked the door to his bathroom that he's <laughs> now he's stuck in there, so... Yeah, it's a good interview. I was in his house when he did it. Oh. <laughs> you're in the, you were in the closet. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, one movie Cameron Die was in that's really funny is Men at Work yes. with Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. He takes a big bag of shit to the face. Oh, is he the one? Okay, I have seen Men at Work. I love that movie. I uh, probably haven't seen it since high school, though. I thought it was great. So that's who he was in it. I remember that scene. Everyone remembers that scene. He was, and then he was in a movie called Scenes from the Gold Mine with Catherine Mary Stewart. You guys actually talked to her about that movie. Yes, Zach did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, you know who else is really good and out of the dark is 
Lynn Danielson Rosenthal. <laughs> she plays Christy. Oh my God! Can she ride a a motorcycle? As a she's really good at that. <laughs> oh, it looks like Zach bro busted out the door behind you. Hey, Bobo, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'll be back. <laughs> sure you will god damn i go like someone locked the door on me sorry guys I, were you in the middle of talking about the the cast yes actually we uh we did just talk about bobo's favorite person uh cameron die now we are on to lynn rosenthal oh i love cameron die anyways yeah uh yeah she's great i've really never seen her in anything I love her in this. Yeah, she she actually brings a lot to it. Uh, apparently, she was in an she was in an episode of the Werewolf TV show um, and Fall Guy, but I don't think we saw her when we covered Werewolf on TV Obscure. I don't think we came across her episode for that. I don't think so either, but uh, I, I will definitely keep an eye out for her. Yeah, me too. Um, by the way, guys and gals, side note, I was scanning through our Patreon page and, you know, I posted way back in the day, I posted um, all the links for the for the Werewolf YouTube or for Werewolf series on YouTube. It's been taken down, of course. So I no, really. Yeah, I think we had our window to review it and we did it. Oh, no. And now it's gone. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Well, thank you, David Irons, for a wink, wink. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, she's great in this, and we'll have to keep an eye out if we ever see that episode of Werewolf. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go a little out of the order of the cast um, because of, of more of like more important characters or more screen time some of these characters get. So Karen Black plays Ruth. Expertly head of the, plays Ruth. Yeah, expertly. I feel like her and Sally Kirkland were probably separated at birth just based on their acting. I mean, Karen Black is a legendary actor. She passed away, sadly, in 2013 at the age of 74. She almost had a good run. Almost. As you know, guys, (laughs) you got to make 76. I think it's 76. I thought it was 80 to have a good run for you. Sure. Okay, I'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, she's everything from people know her from like Five Easy Pieces and Nashville, a lot of like classy films. Uh, and then she's, you know, has done a lot of B movies as well that actually are pretty decent. But like, what is it? The Trilogy of Terror with uh, where's the, the, the doll and everything. Uh, but yeah, recently yeah. she was a Mother Firefly in the House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, yeah, so one yeah. of the few highlights of that movie because yeah. I'm not a fan of that film. Yeah. <clears throat> She's an invisible dad. Okay. Um, so there you go. <laughs> so there Anyways, you go. <laughs> no, she's, she's been in a lot. Over 300 movies she's been yeah. in. Yeah. That's amazing. And she's a hardworking actor. She was a hardworking actor. Yeah. And, Rest in peace. Yeah, and she, br- she brings a lot of, of quality uh, to, to this role. And, and a movie that's, that's tonally, uh, uh, expertly shifts between comedy and horror and drama and and actually Karen Black keeps up with it you know she's able to 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 handle every shift in the in in sort of the tone even though she's not quite a main character of the movie she's a she's kind of a mainstay throughout the film she's a mainstay <laughs> as <you> uh <laughs> as Terrence Howard would say yes one dude who plays against type in this is Tracy Walter, <laughs> yeah. who plays Detective uh, Lieutenant Frank Myers. He's a detective. And I will always know him from Batman 89 as Bob the Goon. 
Like, I mean, that's one of the, he's got his own action figure. Yes, he does. I mean, I can't imagine Tracy Walter ever thought he would have his own action figure. But yeah, Bob the Goon had one. I, I will always, every time he came on screen, I was always like, Bob Gunn. yeah right yeah i mean people a lot of people know him from that they know him from repo man he's great in repo man uh conan the destroyer i thought he was hilarious in that uh he's been in countless films and tv shows uh, almost 200 at this point and he's still alive he's great oh my god right when you said conan the destroyer my brain just like honed in on him and like i know that character but in as a kid, I never knew that character was Bob the Goon. You know what I mean? Like, like I just like a piece of a puzzle to reality just came into place for me. <laughs> oh, nice! Yeah, he would always let us flee. Yeah. We let us flee. Was, I would always say that with my brother. Let us flee. And, and I did just recently watch uh, Repo Man for the first time about six months ago. That movie oh. was fucking fantastic. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. I'm sure Robert Ortiz would love you love hearing that yeah, coming sure. out of your mouth. I'm sure one day we're gonna we're gonna cover it on here. Oh yeah, we should we should. Uh, Bud Court plays Dave Stringer. Oh Dave. oh, Dave. He gets the award. Well, I'll get to his character in the breakdown uh, in the connect in in the similarity I have with a very popular mainstream film. But Bud Court is a legendary actor. If you've never seen Harold and Maude, then maybe you shouldn't be listening to this show. You should go watch Harold and Maude, then listen to our show, because Harold and Maude is a classic. It's an absolute classic. Uh, that That's probably his most famous film, but he's been in a lot of stuff, too. He's been in an episode of Sledgehammer, a show that we're going to be covering on TV Obscura. Uh, he was in the, the Hitchhiker, which we did cover on TV Obscura. He was in Invaders from Mars, a movie that I enjoyed as a kid, but... Can't speak to it nowadays, uh, but did like it back then. He was in an episode of Dream On as well. That was a that's a show that I think we'll we'll tackle eventually on uh, TV Obscura. Although I don't consider it to be too obscure, but maybe by this point it is. Um, he was also in Heat. I mean, this dude has been in so much, and yet I didn't recognize him whatsoever. But I did very much enjoy his performance in this film. I can't wait to see if you see a similarity between him and this mainstream character from another movie. Okay. I'll, I'll, but um, he was in—he was the voice of the computer in Electric Dreams. If you've ever—if you've never seen that, go watch it. It's with uh, Virginia Madsen mm-hmm. and Lenny Von Dolan. Okay. It's a real Maxwell Caulfield. Very weird film, like a fun kind of comedy romance movie. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a hoot. Okay. As they say. Oh, and he was in Love Letters. With uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in probably mo- her most revealing role. Oh, okay, okay, all right. I'm gonna have yep. to go track that one down then. <laughs> I love. Do you letters. like seeing a sweaty Jamie Lee Curtis and a sweaty James Keach? I got no beef with either of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and then a small role, but funny nevertheless. Jeffrey Lewis plays Dennis. Yep, Juliet Lewis. <laughs> I mean, Jeffrey father. Lewis is a fucking. One of my favorite character actors of all time. Rest in peace to him. He passed away in 2015 at the age of 79. He was great in a movie that I love but feel is sort of underrated, which is uh, Way of the Gun. And uh, mainly because I don't think anyone saw it in the theater because I think who Miramax, whoever put it out, didn't know how to advertise it. They advertised it nope. as like this like action comedy, and yeah. it is not funny at all. 
Oh, cool. Well, then you just get you just gave me reason to go see it then because yeah, I've never seen and it. And so, like, here's just an example, and I, it might spoil something for you, Zach, but in the trailers, I remember Ryan Phillippe is getting shot at, and he dives over into, like, this fountain, and then he kind of, like, yell like, ow, like that, and it's supposed to – it's a funny beat in the in the trailer, but when you watch it in the theater, the camera goes in there, and he's – like has nigh like shards of glass sticking out of his arms and everything, oh. and he's like he's like trembling because he's like, what do you do with all this glass? But in the oh. trailer, it was portrayed as a funny thing, and in the movie, it is not funny at all. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, then I'll I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's cool. It's a great fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis has been in a lot of fun genre movies, like Double Impact with Jean Claude Van Damme, The Lawnmower Man. Um, Man Without a Face, which is probably one of uh, Mel Gibson's best directorial movies, in my opinion. We talked about that and how we saw that at such a young age, and yet we both yeah. loved it. I, I loved, loved it. it. Um, and we did talk about him, I believe, in uh, what Night of the Comet, right? He was in that? I think he was, yep. He had a small role in that. Uh, Only the Strong, which is a cool martial art capoeira movie. If you've never seen that with Mark DeCoscos, check it out. Tango and Cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many great things. Fletch Lives, Pink Cadillac. Good stuff, good stuff. But of, but of course, um, the, the greatest thing is his daughter, Juliette Lewis. I guess so. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was trying to make a joke. Yeah. No. <laughs> you achieved it. I did, uh, I did. It had all the pieces of a joke. It just wasn't <laughs> funny. <laughs> so uh, this move, move, this movie is produced by Paul Bartel, and he's actually in it in a small scene, mm-hmm. small but funny and pivotal scene. Uh, you guys know who Paul Bartel is. We talked about him. We just talked about him on Shopping Mall, actually. We did. We did. And the scene that he's in, I mean, he steals that scene. He's he's fantastic in this. This is a wig, by the way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love Par- Paul Let- Bartel. Lainey Kazan has a small, like, two, uh, maybe not even a two-minute scene. Lainey Kazan is a legendary Broadway actor, singer, performer. She's just, and she plays a hooker in this. Uh, It's wild. (laughs) Is she one of the ones that, like, walks by and talks or something while she's like, what do you expect for $50 or something like that? No, she's at the end when she's like, uh, you know, her her hooker partner says, do you want to pull a three-way? And she's like, I can't because if I go home oh. smelling, you know, right out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that line because yeah. it's a funny line. Um, Divine, the legendary Divine is in this film. In, in, in their last role because they, they passed away after this was filmed but before this came out. And not going to lie, I thought Divine was fantastic. And you know what? We're not even going to spoil it right here, who who he plays. We'll talk about that when yeah. when the time comes, because that was a great reveal, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, we don't want to give that away. Um, Tab Hunter, he was kind of like a 50s dreamboat guy back in the day. And I 50s and 60s, I think, was like his kind of highlight. He has a small, pivotal role at the end of this film. Um, oh. He plays a driver. Oh my God, that's that. Yeah. yeah, that scene is fantastic as well. <laughs> Guys and gals, there are so many weird micro moments in this movie that yes. kind of don't have anything to do with the story, but yet they're fantastic and they don't feel like it takes you out of the the movie. It just adds this extra layer of fun and they're just, they're dotted all over the movie with them. All over, all over. 
Um, uh, the rest of these actors don't have photos. Uh, well, actually, one of them does on IMDb, but most of them do not. Some of them are still alive. Some of them are not. Uh, Silvana Gallardo plays Ma- Silvana Gallardo plays Myers' partner McDonald in this film. She's great, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, she was in Death Wish Two, which is a fun cult movie. Karen Laurie plays Joanne. She is one of the many uh, phone fantasy girls. There you go. And she's been in a. <laughs> I, I caught myself on that one. She's been in a ton of thing, a ton of television. Uh, she's all over the place. Hercules, The X Files. Yeah, she's she's good, and I want to see more of her. Yeah, I thought she was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara is played by Karen Mayo Chandler. She passed away at the age of forty-eight of breast cancer in two thousand six. Jesus, she is so good in this for for a short period of time on screen. She's fantastic in this, and she's been in a bunch of bunch of stuff yeah she she fucking has man um a lot of a lot of vhs covers that i recognize but have never seen like hard to die 1990 976 evil 2 1991 like i recognize the hell out of both of those covers yeah i do too uh i remember both of those films because i've seen them both um a lot of if you want to call them skin flicks, um, you know, but she was also in mainstream stuff like the like Explorers and Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, because she small roles. So Robert Picardo in Explorers played that uh, star killer, that movie that they're watching on in the movie, you know, like on on the roof. Um, she plays star killer's girlfriend that's in that movie within the movie. Yes, yes, that's right, and she's great in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, last role I'm gonna, or last actor I'll list off for now. Star Andreef plays Camille. She's fantastic. She's as well. cute as a button. Yeah, so good and like so relatable. I'm like, oh, yep, that's every actor in LA. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. uh, if you look up her resume, she's been in a bunch of fun things like Ghoulies Two and Scanner Cop. Yeah, Scanner Cop's really good, by the way. I love that movie. Okay. Uh, Dance Dance of the Damned, which is a favorite with Erin Gilmer, I know. I think she posted that on her Instagram at one point. Yeah, Scanner Cop you should definitely check out. Okay, okay. Uh, the Terror Within, that's another uh, movie poster that I absolutely recognize. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, yeah, and she, I thought she was great in this, and I, I'm kind of curious to see all her other performances now. Yeah, yeah, me too. This was written by J. Greg DeFelice and Zane W. Levitt. Zane W. Levitt uh, is known for producing a lot of stuff, um, and and the, he was the coroner in in this film. Oh, and he only has one writing credit, which is Out of the Dark. Interesting. I wonder if that's the as I twice I saw a guy walk by that was like he was balding with like stubble beard, really thin with glasses and like yep. like those circular glasses. He almost looked like a poor man's like Maynard or something from Tool. Yeah. But I saw him twice and I was like, that's somebody like it's either a producer. I thought it was the director at first, but it's not. So it's apparent. It, so it's Zane Levitt or something, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. OK. And the other writer Greg DeFelice, he only wrote one other film called Bury the Evidence, which is a shame uh, because I thought the script was pretty damn good for this. Yeah. Overall, overall. There's some flaws, yeah. and we'll talk about those, but 
you know, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, and he was he played the police photographer in this. It's nice that Mike, the director Michael Schroeder, uh, gave both of the writers, uh, you know, some some screen time in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the director, he's done some decent B movie films like Relentless Part Two, which is actually a pretty decent sequel to the Judd Nelson. Uh, thriller. Oh. We've talked about Relentless before. Yes, and and I think yes, I, I recognize that uh, that that poster, but it's not for this. It's for uh, the first one because um, it's the sort of the same poster, but in the first one it's Judd Nelson. In part two, it's it's the other person. Um, yeah, real, Miles O'Keefe. Real quick, I do want to call out though. He was the second unit director on One Dark Night. Yep. There's our little connection now, right? Yeah, and then he, um, I think his first movie that he actually directed came out the year prior, sort of the same year, uh, Mortuary Academy, and you actually see the kiosk for that um, on the marquee, or you see the the sign for that on the marquee um, at the at the movie theater twice uh, when, when Skinner is outside. That's right. So that'll round out the... No, no I... Oh. I do want to call out one more thing of his. I'm sorry, I kind of took your your uh, your, your thunder on on Michael no. Schroeder. Cyborg two. I just want to call it out because while we're on the tip of Corey talking about movie posters that he recognizes but never watched, I I could see from a mile away fucking Jack Palance, you know, on that cover and everything. Oh yeah. It wasn't until just fucking today that I realized that that was Angelina Jolie's in this movie. And now I actually want to fucking see it. Yeah. It's, if you've never seen it, it's pretty decent. It's not terrible. They give it like a four on IMDb. So, you know, it's going to be like a six or a seven. I think it's her first movie she ever did or one of her first. I think so. But adding, you know, a a sort of icing on the cake, Elias Coteus is in it. And so is Billy Drago. So guys and gals, Cyborg 2 colon, Glass Shadow moved up very high from zero <laughs> up very high on my watch list. Well, and it's also got your boy Sven Olin, uh, ah. Sven Olthorsen in it, and Tracy Walters in this as well. God damn. And Robert Dreyer from Savage Streets is in it. Um, you know, he was the va- main villain in yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah, check out Cyborg 2. <laughs> Get, give this man some more uh, more love. Give Michael Shorter some more love. I'm sure he'll get a little bit more after this. Oh, we're, we're going to give him a bunch of love. <laughs> well, speaking of love, could I? Oh, get the, get the hell out of here, Bobo. <laughs> Seriously. Could, uh, I'll, I'll be back. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> Bye. I'll be back. I love you. What? What? I love you, too. Should we just get into this shit? <laughs> Let's fucking do it. Okay. Out of the dark, a deadly nightmare is emerging. Another grisly crime strikes the city of angels. Joanna was killed last night. Any prints? Got a deep voice. He usually gets violent and then he hangs up. Have you seen those girls? Don't you think he gets a little bit sexually aroused? Oh, and a path that spread on the girl. Should have been mine. I want you to get me everything you can on this guy. I think he's a little too cool. Dennis is violent, Kevin, and he's out to get you. He was convicted of assault on an old girlfriend who also, by the way, happened to be a minor. Stop it! Stop it! The killer. Did you see his face? No. Like I told the police, he was wearing a mask. We want to lure this guy to the office. Forget it. Call me again. You know my number. Where'd you get this? Hello? 
This is Karen. Who's this? This is your friendly Dr. Bobo. It's him. You killed her! I told you to stay away from my girl, but you couldn't listen to me! Jeffrey Lewis, Cameron Dye, Karen Black, Bud Court, and Tracy Walter. Lieutenant Myers, homicide division, please. I'm sorry, Lieutenant Myers, on vacation. Someone else help you? Out of the dark. All right, gang. So we told you at the onset of this episode that there are a lot of spoilers that we're going to be revealing. If you've never seen this movie and you have interest in watching this movie, go watch the movie now. Stop. Just press pause and come back to us after you've watched Out of the Dark. Trust us. It's worth it. It is. It, you it's... you guys trust us, so it's worth it. Yes. It's it's a lot of fun. I'll just say it again at the top. It is synth and sleaze, and it is the perfect combination and mixture of all of it. It's not a perfect film, and we will be calling out some of its flaws, but it's perfectly fun. And for me, none of the flaws kind of have any bring it down in the slightest whatsoever. No, not at all. So if you've never seen it and you want to see it, turn this off now. And welcome back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, all you sleazy lovers who uh, want to get your stuff spoiled or if you've already seen it. And now that you've seen it, we can go straight into Out of the Dark. The movie opens with the Sintel Films logo, which actually makes it look kind of classy. I'm like, oh, this is a classy movie. It feels artsy to me. Uh, and then there's a sweet pink font, very generic. And then you see like a cigarette burning. Uh, against a dark screen and then the credits play and as the credits start to finish out you hear this kind of sultry music piano playing and then you hear a telephone ring and a male voice speaks into the phone and goes oh you you want to do the yeah, line Bobo? Yeah, bring Bobo you, back in for this <laughs> get in here just yeah sorry keep the, yeah keep the mask on okay. well you got to you can't get into character without it no no, I'm method. I know you are. Just knock it off. Just do your thing. Is this Joanne? <laughs> Guys, at, at times I, I may have to edit myself. I'm like, I can't believe I'm, I can't say this. She's like, I've been waiting for your call all evening. So there's cut back and forth between a guy on the phone and this sexy voice on the other I almost said mouth. Sexy voice on the other line. Well, you, you said mouth because it they're extreme close-ups on yes. both of them. So for her, it's like it's on her mouth. I mean, you can almost see every pore on her face. It's so close. And then for him, it's kind of like all over the place, but it's equally as sort of close-up. So you never really know who he is, and you never really see where she is. You never see where she is, but at times you'll see his like his mouth, his chin with his kind of scruff mm. on his face. And then when you find out who the killer is at the end, you're like, oh, that kind of tracks because he had some like five o'clock shadow-esque yeah. type. So, but I don't know. I don't know about that nipple. Well, we'll get to the nipple in a <laughs> it second. It was lost that nipple. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just going to read a, the, the dialogue between the, Yep, can you do it? Uh, you know, yes, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. God. What's that music you're playing? It makes me hot. Are your lights turned down low? I got the picture you sent me. I want to know more about you. Tell me. Was that was that good, Zach? Yeah, that was that was great. 
I was thinking of you when that picture was taken. So suddenly cut to this character holding an 8x10 photo of the woman he's talking to, but he's colored her lips. It's a black and white photo. He's colored her lips in and with a red Sharpie, he's drawn boobs. <laughs> Your boobs on her. It's almost as if he were a 10-year-old Corey. <laughs> and she and she says, I, I was thinking of you when that picture was taken. I bet you were. And she can hear that he's smoking. She goes, what's that you're smoking? A joint? A joint? <laughs> Why don't you leave? <laughs> the first time I was watching this, I was smoking a joint, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am. Did you say that, Corey? <laughs> Bobo, you just do the line, okay? It's not your time yet. No extra business. No. Why don't you loosen your pants a little? <laughs> then you close up on her lips, and you see that she's kind of, like, distracted by something. And she goes, and then she goes, you're never going to guess what happened to me when I got on the bus this morning. I mean, it was morning just like any other. But, you know, I wasn't wearing any panties. <laughs> <laughs> then you cut back to the, ki- uh, well, you're assuming it's the killer, His where he's sitting. And he's, like, kind of stroking a, a scorpion that's been, like, encased in amber. You know, one of those, like, yeah. get him at a store in arizona yeah and i i honestly later i was trying to find that piece in his apartment but it, it does, doesn't come back and i was like you gave us a close-up shot on that i feel like it should have come back later you know what you do see and you do see this later is some smut mags and mm-hmm. some torture mags and sm mags and those will come back into the movie oh. and okay a, a piece just Put to, God again. It's so hard to talk about this movie without spoiling shit. So did he plant those then, just same as he did with the nipples and stuff in the office? You think those were planted? I, oh, God damn it! I have so many things I want to talk to you about. We'll ne- and then it's at the end of the movie. Okay, I have notes on it. We'll we'll come back. We'll come back to it. Let's just do it. Yeah, we'll come we'll, back when to we it. get there. We'll do it when we get there. <laughs> so she continues to like basically she's. Doing, giving him phone sex, you know, and and what what you and you realize at this point that she's it's she is a phone sex a phone fantasy person because she has notes, like she's reading notes and the notes are, are listed out exactly like morning like no other no underwear alone on a bus sexy guy vibration of the bus and it's all the notes that she's hitting as she's talking to this guy on the phone yeah and it's not written out like a script it's like bullet points for her to sort of improv and sort of go with type of thing yeah yeah and then suddenly you see her eyes kind of darting from one side to another and then you see a close-up of a fly and then with a fly swatter she smashes the fly our first death of the movie (laughs) is a fly brendel fly yeah brendel fly (laughs) So she's getting all hot and heavy with him. She's like, I got, I'm, I'm starting to get really horny. And then suddenly, well, can I say this? Yeah, go ahead. I want you to, I want to touch you. I want to feel your nipples. And then she says, I want you to lick them. They're hard. And then cuts to Bobo. What happens to you? Well, I take a knife and I rub my rib cage with the knife. And then I rub my nipple with the knife. Yeah, it's disturbing. A hairy nipple, Bobo. And you can tell that the actor kind of scrapes his nipple too because it like little like blood particles start yeah. coming out. So I'm like, you know what? Good job, guy, for doing that for the role, you know? And then she she says, yeah, I want to lick them. They're hard. And he, and he goes, and she goes, are you? And he goes, nobody can handle nipples like Bobo. 
And then I rip the picture in half with my knife. Okay, come back later. I think you just made a mess. Now, I will say (laughs) that the Bobo voice that he does here is kind of different than the other Bobo voice. This one almost, at first I was like, it sounds like one of those voice modulators because he's trying not to pitch up or down. He's trying to just sort of stay level and then break up his speech pattern, uh, which is interesting. I, I think it's cool, but he does, the the Bobo voice changes throughout the movie. This is the most different that it sounds, I'd say. I agree. It changes, yeah. It gets more sinister as the movie goes on. Yeah. And also... Did you feel shades of scream in this? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually did because the reliance on the phone and stuff like that, keeping people on the phone. Yeah, I, I, goddamn, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if you know, uh, Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson, John Williamson, or Wes Craven saw this at some point and, and mined, you know, some ideas from it. Kevin, Kevin Williamson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. No, oh, no one will know. No one will know. No, no one ever saw Out of the Dark. Meanwhile, Aaron's at home going, "That's in Out of the Dark." <laughs> Meanwhile, at home, Aaron becomes uh, Robert Downey Jr. in the Avengers. She's like, "You thought no one would notice, but we did." <laughs> exactly. So after he rips the picture, cuts to uh, Christy. You were in, we're introduced to Christy and Joanne. Christy says to Joanne, "Joanne's the one who was on the phone." with Bobo and she goes, was that Mr. Short Fuse again? And she goes, Hey, if he wants to throw away four bucks a minute, that's his business. Cut to now you're in the sweet nothings phone fantasy service office, which is basically a small office space with like what the curt that are shower, not shower curtains, but curtains in between like, I don't know, six cubicles yeah. of uh, phone fantasy operators. Yeah, but they do have a full, like, coffee bar there, which is pretty awesome for Ruth to spring for, you know? I actually love this kind of layout, yeah. and it feels kind of classy, all things considered. Yeah, and, and uh, th- this movie takes expectations, I think, spins them on its head, but always in a good way. Like... Like, it doesn't spin things to make them bad. Like, Bobo's the, kind of the, the biggest, baddest thing here. Everything else is kind of sweet and nice. Even the hookers seem kind of nice in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. This would not be a bad, like, sitcom on HBO. Right? Like, I I at some point was watching, you know, all the, 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 the phone fantasy stuff. I kind of forgot we were in a horror movie. I was like, you know what? I could just follow these girls and we could, you know, do their lives and stuff like that. It's it's a fun, but it's also a fun little cast of characters, too. It totally is. So we're also introduced to Ruth. Ruth is the, the owner, the manager of Sweet Nothings. And she has a young woman with her named Camille. She introduces Camille to everybody. She says, Camille's uh, interested in working with us. And... She introduces Camille to Joanne and Christy. And then Ruth says, all right, girls, get back to work. You know my motto, keep the customers coming. <laughs> That's great. Mm. Also, also as great as seeing the Jolt Cola that everyone is drinking in this. Jolt Cola makes two appearances or yeah, two or three appearances in this film. <laughs> yeah, I, that was shocking. <laughs> that was, of all the entire movie, that was the most shocking thing in it. Right. Yeah, exactly. As uh, as this is going on, Ruth. So after she sends Joanne and Christy back to work, 
Ruth is talking to Camille about the business and how everything works. Meanwhile, we're cutting into another one of the phone fantasy girls, Vanessa and Barbara and Debbie. They're all kind of on the phone with their their separate callers that they're trying to get off, you know. So Ruth is kind of giving her a play-by-play of how the business works, and then you're cutting into the phone fantasy operators sounding like they're having sex on the phone. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it is. And this movie has a lot of intentional humor in it, and I think for the most part it pretty much all works. I think it does. I think 95% of it works. Agreed. My only complaint really is with the last five, ten minutes of the movie. Oh, okay. I have no complaints with that, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Well, yeah. I mean, I do and I don't kind of thing. Okay. You know? well, but anyway, we'll, we'll yeah, suss we'll get it out. We'll suss it out. Yeah, we'll suss it out. Yeah, so Ruth is saying there's no benefits, there's no medical, uh, sick days, but you do get to work with great girls, and she's like, they're tight, those kids, you know? Like, she's... she. Basically, is describing that there's a little family unit. Yeah, and and you get that sense uh, uh, over the course of this movie. Now, I will say, you know, uh, not it's not Ruth, it's Camille. She was she's like, uh, you know, t- sort of she wants to be an actress, or she is an actress, yes. I should say, uh, a voice actress. And uh, she said she did a a voice on a kids cartoon, and the the voice is Ukla the Mock on the Barbarian cartoon, and I'm like, so. Thundar, the barbarian. Uh, the, yep. the character's name is the other character's name, Ukla the Mock. And I'm just like, so you can just say that? Like, you can just take a copywritten name and just say it, but then not say the name of the show. Again, you know, we thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Because it's just, you got to think about it, 1988, there's no Wikipedia, there's no internet. This, somebody, the guy is writing this, is like, you know what? I fucking love Thundar the Barbarian. I'm going to throw Ukla the Mock in here. No one's going to fucking fact check this in 1988, you know? But now, nope. you can pause it, go type in Ukla the Mock, and you're like, okay, that was a real thing. I just found it to be very fascinating that she name-dropped name Ukla the Mock. Well, who owns uh, that, that property? Warner Brothers? Uh, yes, because they put out the, the Blu-ray of it, the TV show Blu-ray. Well, they don't they don't fact check any of their shit or cover they don't they're not consistent with any of their shit so nah. don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> Look at their I, it's, DC movies. It's, I was gonna say especially nowadays and what's going on at like HBO and Warner Brothers and everything. I, I yeah, it, this no one is look, looking for out of the dark over there at Warner Brothers. You know, no, some some guy comes to the head of Warner Brothers like oh look what look what I just heard on podcasting after dark and he's gonna be like <laughs> is it reality TV? Not really. Then fuck it. I don't want to hear it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Camille sits down with Ruth and she's talking about how she's an actor. She has uh, videotapes of her commercial copy, which is really funny because it's very relatable. And Ruth is like, this is an audio business, not a visual one. Videotape doesn't do me any good. By the way, I've when I've gone out and had to find an agent for voice acting, it had a very similar vibe as far as the the agents are concerned and just like the banter back and forth. And she does. She, uh, she wants to, Camille says she's a voice actor and Ruth says, you know, why don't, and then she drops the line that Corey said. And Ruth says, well, we don't often get requests for animated creatures, but you never know what's going to strike someone's fancy. Believe you me, this can be a strange business sometimes, which is true about the entertainment industry in general. Yes. <laughs> So she wants to try Camille out and she gives Camille a scenario, gives Camille copy to read. And 
And Camille immediately goes in this southern accent. She's like, oh, Richard, I've been waiting for a man like <laughs> you, darling. Give me your throbbing muscle of love. I want to feel the heat of your manhood between my thighs. <laughs> she nails oh, it. She's like, how is that? And Ruth's like, no, not bad. <laughs> Cut to the ladies wrapping up the night. And Joanne, they're they're all packing up, getting ready to leave. Joanne's like, anyone want to go with me to a midnight movie? Christy says, oh, sorry, but I got to go home to a man who loves me. He's waiting at home. So that's important. A man mm-hmm. who loves me. Vanessa says, uh, you know, I got a warm pillow in the all news network. And Joanne says, duds, all of you duds. I guess my against once again the highlight of my evening will be walking the dog. <laughs> and then Camille walks in and says, "You got you got to take the job." Uh, Christy says to Camille, "You got to take the job." And Camille says, "Yeah." I'll tell you the truth, I was expecting something different. And Christy goes sleazy, and she go and and Vanessa says, "I know half naked women, tattoos and pierces," and Christy says, "Wearing too much makeup." And Joanne says, working out of a dingy basement. And they're all kind of like bantering back and forth. And then Camille says, you mean I tattooed my tush for nothing? <laughs> and then it's so. It's cute, man. It's cute. It's, cute. it's really cute. I dig it. I dig it. It's fun. Like, I love, I love how they set up this scenario where, look, they're all aspiring actors or models and they want to get ahead in the business. And this is the only thing they can do that makes money or the maybe it pays pretty decent and it sure is a hell of a lot better than doing full on porn. Yeah. And honestly, I like the fact that, you know, there's no bitch in the group. There's no mean girl in the group. They're all like friends. They're all like cool and friends. And, you know, I mean. I never, I was never in groups where somebody was the mean person, somebody was this. I so I never understood like why people would be friends or whatever with those kind of like human beings. But here, it seemed more natural. Like everybody was just a normal person, and I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because yeah, there I'm sure there are people in in jobs that are not the coolest to work with. Hell, you know, Diallo's told me stories about a dude that yeah. threw a phone at him one time, you know, yeah. so real dicks. But it is nice to see a relatively like nice group of people, no antagonists, yeah. everybody, everyone's likable. Whoa, a movie where the people who get killed, you actually like the characters, they're likable and you feel bad when they get killed because spoiler alert, one of them's gonna get killed in about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. A- That's anyways, another part of the piece of the puzzle of this movie that I I adore is is and, the characters. And I think another thing you probably appreciate as much as me is seeing Los Angeles in the eighties. Yes, dude, you took the words right out of my, my mouth. This movie mostly takes place around uh, Silver Lake and downtown LA, and I'll be I'll be calling out some some stuff as well. Also, the fact that I when I when I lived in LA, I worked as a photography assistant. So there's a lot of stuff hitting home for old corn dog in this episode, and uh, I'll call some stuff out. I think the set designer in Kevin's apartment was right on with a lot of stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there though. Yeah, totally. So now we cut to the. Again, it's still evening. Cut to which I think is Echo Park. Uh, um, I think it's MacArthur Park. Oh, okay, MacArthur Park, and there's like a. Um, pond there that's why i thought it was echo park because i'm like doesn't echo park have a i know echo park has a pond 
Oh, I, I didn't thought, know about MacArthur I thought, Park. I thought MacArthur Park was the one that was down, uh, you know, downtown in kind of a, a shitty area and everything. I thought that was MacArthur Park. Yeah, yeah. I was a little confused. Well, it's one of the parks in downtown L.A. How about yeah, that? With it, a pond. It's one of the parks <laughs> that you don't want to be around at night in downtown L.A., yes. Meanwhile, everyone listening who doesn't live in L.A., they're like, just get to the fucking story. <laughs> like, sorry, guys. Jeez. Sorry. Can, do, can I? No, Bobo. No, you're, no. You come back. And just give us a few minutes. So Joanne is running around. She's, Joanne is like, looks like she's in her, uh, like a sweatsuit at night with a cap on. And she's looking for her dog named Asbury. As, Asbury. 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 <laughs> not Asbury. <laughs> not bury your ass. Asbury. So she's calling out for her dog. And she's like, where the hell did he go? Right? And then out of nowhere, she walks by a nearby tree. And she sees her dog. It's Asbury. She grabs the dog from the person and says, thank you. She goes, holy shit, you scared the living crap out of me. Holds her dog. And she lets her dog run off. Again, she puts her she yeah. puts her dog down and the dog runs off. <laughs> Asbury's like, I'm out. Yeah. And Asbury was smart about this because the guy who's holding the dog has a creepy clown mask on. Yeah. And instead of Joanne getting freaked and running away, she engages with the clown mask guy. No. He bows God. to her. She no. bows back. Yeah. And circus music starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this Guys, th- ladies ladies do not engage the crazies i mean engage yes and to get away but always be moving away always be moving away do not close with a clown no. so she engages with the clown the clown wants to start playing mime baseball with her basically so he has her throw a ball and he hits the ball and and she picks it back up. And, and by ball, it. we're doing air quotes in the air because there's, it is just air. It's a yeah, mime. Yeah, it's all miming. And, it, yeah. and he's he's not talking or, or the character's not talking. And uh, he swings and he misses. And she's like, oh, you missed again. And she's like, I really got to go. I, I got to go now. And he kind of waves to her like, no, one more time, one more time. Right. And. So she winds up her pitch, she throws to him, he swings and he hits, and she goes, I got it, I got it. And the ball falls in her hands and she catches it, and she says, you're out. And then suddenly, the killer, who has a real baseball bat this whole time, by the way, I didn't mention that, he did have a real baseball bat. That's another sign that you should not be near this guy because he has a freaking baseball bat. He clocks her so hard in the head and she crumbles to the ground, and he goes, no, can I do it? Go ahead, Bobo. No, you're out. <laughs> he fucking slobber knocks her. Like, she hard. hard goes down like a sack of shit. It's brutal. I was like, damn. It's a brutal hit. She. Di- I was watching the second time around. She kind of moved slightly, and I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. I want. I would have loved to see her kind of jitter so like and jiggle. Twitch, yeah, twitch or something. Like I think that would have been disturbing if like you saw her twitching on the ground after that hit. Oh, that my was God. a really shocking moment. I mean, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. But when it does still happen, you're like, damn. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was very intense. shocking. Yeah, actually, in my opinion, probably the best death in the movie. Uh, maybe aside from the sh- the shovel to the head severing oh. the the skull, that's probably the best. That's death. pretty good too. But uh, yeah, we'll this this was a strong one. This was a strong one, and actually, 
Honestly, uh, uh, my my only this sounds horrible of me, but the only thing kind of keep like keep holding this movie back just a smidge is that I wanted the deaths to be a bit gorier. I wanted them to be a bit more violent, but oh, but at the same t- but at the same time, I don't. It was still works for the movie, you know, yeah. and, and especially Bobo's character. And uh, this one's definitely the most brutal. I mean, they're all pretty brutal, though. Anyway, they're we'll, all we'll brutal, dude. It. Yeah. Even the one you don't see necessarily. It, well, we'll get all everyone's like, what's going? What's happening next? What's happening next? OK, we're, so we're so excited about the movie. We just want to talk yeah, about Aaron. It. You, Bobo, go ahead. Aaron, you knocked it out of the park. Yeah. OK, go back to your. <laughs> Closet. Go back in the closet. Okay. Yeah, you leave the light on. Okay. Um, so from here you cut to daytime. Next day in the morning, you see Dennis taking pictures of someone's apartment or loft. Uh, he's at the t- on top of a high rise in downtown LA, and he's taking photos of Kevin's loft through his window. Inside Kevin's loft is Kevin, and he's with Christy. Uh, the, the camera pans up from their bed. He's asleep. Christy get, wakes up and looks out the window to see what time it is. By the way, I know it wasn't intentional, but she had some major bags under her eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that's very realistic. That's what we all look like in the morning. So that's, that's I didn't true. knock it. It was just more like, oh, that's accurate. And the, most, mu- yeah. and the music in this scene is awesome. I so love good. the music here. So good. So sexy scene. She's wearing like a little tank top nighty or whatever, not a little tank top and panties. And, um, and, and Kevin, as she looks out the window, Kevin like grabs her breasts and he starts like doing like a, a motorboat. You know, he's motorboating himself. Motorboating you know? <laughs> her, but he's also a bit like, I can't see anything. Everything's out of focus. That's yeah, funny. <laughs> and then and she's in side th- note. I'm going to say, I, I took the note here. I think Kevin, uh, uh, Cameron Die um, has a young John Wesley ship look going on. He does. So he's a really good looking dude. He's got a really cool look. I think he always wanted to be a rock star because whenever I've seen him performing, because he still performs music. Uh, actually, he did the music from Valley Girl at the Viper Room before the Viper Room closed up uh, or in the fall of last year, maybe. Oh. E.G. Daly was there and I saw footage of it. They had like a valley girl reunion night there oh no um, shit yeah and he was rocking out on stage doing some uh some of the plimsoll songs from the movie anyways uh yeah really cool look he's a hunky dude yeah he's a, no, I'm, I'm i'm all for kevin man i think he's awesome and i love his hair by the way i wanted oh, yeah. his hair I'm yeah like, i want that hair anyways uh they're having a little playful banter she gets up to go take a shower <laughs> And he goes, thanks for the memories. And I <laughs> love that because I'm like, I used to say that all the time. Um, anyways, he goes back to bed while she takes a shower. Cut back to Dennis taking pictures. And that's basically all you see from Dennis at this point. Uh, at this point. But I will say he does not look drunk to me. And Kevin is going to say that he's drunk uh, in a few minutes when he gets a call from him. Exactly. Cut back to Kevin's apartment. Uh, Kevin's now up, and you hear this, you know, sweet guitar playing in the background for the soundtrack. And he's looking at pictures, and Christy comes up behind him, kind of sensually, and they're kind of making out a little bit. And you know, she's saying, you know, she's saying stuff like, 
you, know, you got a half-naked woman with you. Uh, you're likely to get a little roused. And, and then suddenly she's looking at the photos that he's looking at. And she goes, hey, that's my picture. She totally gets distracted. Yeah. Typical actor. Oh, me? Me you, now. I, I get to look at myself. And, and, she's like, and then no. she's like, oh, I have a pimple on my chin or something like that. <laughs> Which is accurate, too. She's criticizing what her photo looks like. And the, suddenly the phone rings. Kevin goes to answer the phone. It is Dennis on the other line. And he's like, you're catching me at a bad time. He's like, I don't want to talk to you right now and hangs up on him. Christy says, was that Dennis again? And Kevin's goes, yep, drunk as usual. And I guess, you know, knowing what we know later, that could be a lie, you know, that Dennis is drunk. But, I, you know, Dennis's character seems to be pretty drunk all the time, except for in this one scene right here where he just did not look drunk at all to me. Maybe they were like, oh, shit, you're going to be drunk the rest of the movie. Do you <laughs> want to go back and reshoot those scenes? Nah, it's nah, fine. Nah. It was, <laughs> nah, it's a it's fine. throwaway scene, really, for him. Uh, and it's kind of weird because they don't really come back to why was he taking photographs of Kevin's place. But, yeah. You know. Yeah, that doesn't really, really sort of come back. Uh, and real quick, while we're talking about Kevin's place, dude, add this to the list of awesome downtown L.A. apartments oh, that so we've good. seen in movies. Um, freaking, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, uh, Trancers. That's still one of my favorites. Um, Vice Squad had a, had a great apartment in it. Dude, there's just, man, I love, and then also too, like I've been in so many studios and apartments like this in downtown LA with, you know, concrete floors, concrete walls, but it's, I just, I love it so much. I wouldn't want to like live there now in my forties, but as like in my twenties or thirties, Oh, I loved those downtown LA apartments with the exposed beams and everything. Yeah, Beautiful. me too. Me too. If you've never seen Wanted Dead or Alive, it's the one with um, Rucker Hauer yeah, and Gene I'm, Simmons. Mm -hmm. I think he has a sweet loft too where he's got like a whole arsenal of weapons in one of the rooms. So oh, badass. So awesome. Because they're all yeah. like they're all like studios and stuff. And here, so Kevin's a photographer. So like he also has like a giant psych in the corner, which is one of those um, a, a seamless is a piece of paper that kind of goes from the back of you down onto where their feet. So you've seen uh, people stand in front of Seamless. It's a giant piece of paper. They stand on it. And it's a, it's paper so that you can sort of cut it and get rid of the, the ugly part of it. And they come in all sort of colors and everything. And I would have to go and pick them up at the uh, photography studio uh, or, you know, wherever I had to pick them up for the photography studio and everything. And then there's a giant psych in the corner. Um, the set designer knew a lot about photography is what I'm trying to say. Cause everything was pretty accurate from what my experience was working at a photography studio. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's called a psych. I didn't know that. The psych is a bigger seamless and it's kind of rounded on the sides. If you want to, Think of a giant, a psych would be, um, remember the Beyonce video where she had the metal, like put a ring on it or whatever, and she had that metal hand, they're dancing and everything. Yeah. They were dancing in front of a giant psych. Um, and that's, that's sort of what that is, which just basically, it's the idea that you can get like one solid color from floor to ceiling with also without minimal shadows and everything. That's what you're, yeah. you're trying to use a psych for basically. Psych. <laughs> psych. Well. Someone who's not psych is, uh, <laughs> I'm using it in a terrible way, mm -hmm. but Kevin, uh, Kevin's talking about Dennis to Christy and Christy's like, you know, you don't have to take his calls. You just hang up on him. And Kevin's like, I feel like I owe him at least a little respect. I, I just wish he wouldn't treat me like a gopher, which is interesting. Cause it's all, all this stuff, all this stuff comes back. Yep. 
this, and I'm going to be very dialogue heavy in my breakdown because a lot of the stuff they say is relevant. Yeah. And so Christy's like, well, don't let it bother you. Put it out of your head. And she's like, you're just, you know, you're too tense. And she's kind of massaging him. And she goes, after this shoot, you should just, we should get out of LA for a while. And Kevin's like, yeah, it's not a bad idea. You know, I have an open, I have an open invite to use my friend's cabin in the desert. He says, no one has the phone number and you're never disturbed. That's interesting too. Mm -hmm. I love to go hide away, veg out, not think about anything. She's like, you don't want to think about anything. And they start getting kind of getting hot and heavy. And then you cut to a cop at the murder scene. Hey, everybody, Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. Back at MacArthur Park or Echo Park or wherever it is, um, the next day, there's policemen kind of like walking down uh, the over, the side of an overpass. It's a really awkward moment because yeah. they're like walking down the side of an overpass to go into like the tunnel of the the the, the, the bridge area. You know? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. I know what you mean. The, yeah, the, the the scene starts at the top of the bridge, and one cop kind of has to like go down the side of it. But then you get down there, and there's already people down there. It's like, why didn't you just you know take the stairs or whatever? Yeah, it's weird. You're introduced to Lieutenant Myers, who's walking down the. The, the tunnel to the murder scene and he's like and he's talking to himself going another grisly crime strikes the city of angels i'm like oh great is this gonna gonna narrate himself the whole time which wouldn't be a bad thing you know i mean and his look sort of like fits it and everything but yeah this is this is the weird expectation things that this movie plays with you know you think it's gonna be this for a second for like a second it becomes a film noir movie but only yeah. for like this minor like tiny little scene right here you know and i i like that i like how they sort of mess with the genre and kind of play with it and it only works because tracy walter is is great as a he looks like he's made to be a, a film noir detective in the rain smoking a cigarette you know type of thing yeah what i love about his character or this actor it's it's so nice to see him play a role like this because you don't normally see him play a role like this he plays like a scumbag or like a like a weaselly guy and for him to kind of play a badass and by the end of the movie you'll know he is true badass Mm -hmm. is very against type and refreshing 
And it reminds me of so often you see these guys who are like, I just want to play this character. I'm so, I'm so, or you think of actors who go, I'm tired of playing the same character over and over again. I just want to play something different. And this guy got that opportunity and he nailed it, in my opinion. He's, he's a true character actor. So he walks over to the, the murder scene and a young cop approaches him and says, we found the girl's purse, some of her clothing. Her name's Joanne Trailer. She's not a hooker, but there was a business card for some photographer in her purse. Myers looks at the card and it's Kevin Silvers, who we just met a few moments ago. Myers says to the uh, crime scene photographer, you know this guy? And he shakes his head. And he calls over to McDonald's, his partner, McDonald. He calls over to McDonald, his partner. And he goes, hey, who's investigating all those prostitute murders? McDonald says, I think it's Langella. And Myers goes, great. Langella, my buddy. And McDonald goes, yeah, the one and only. This will come back. So this is important to say. Mm-hmm. And I like the buildup for, Lang- for Langella. Yeah, yeah, because Langella is like got a reputation. Yeah, right? and wait until you see him. And so Meyer says, "Is he on his way?" And McDonald says, "Well, she he's on his way. Should be here any minute." The only evidence they found at the scene was a baseball bat next to the body. That's smart that he didn't take it with him. Yep. And it should be noted that he's oh the Bobo the clown is always wearing gloves as well. And I like yes. that. It's you you can see it. They're like white, bright white, like the old school kind with like the three lines down the back of it and everything. I actually own those gloves. Really? Are, right, they're mine right. gloves, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Oh, my I God. I use them for my Willy Wonka costume. Do you, do you also own a, a scary clown mask, too? I'm wearing a... Get back in the closet. <gasps> my God! Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> I don't even know. That was so weird. Guys, if we did video, you'd see there's two guys clearly here. <clears throat> clearly. Um, Myers asks if there's any prints, and McDonald says, clean as a whistle. And Myers says, well, I got some news for Langella. This ain't his man. What we got here is a whole new psycho out on the streets. Love it. Ding, ding, ding. Lo- love, love the way he delivers his lines. Love his hair. Love and that fucking pull, slick back hair. They pull the they pull the the sheet over the body, and as you're seeing it, you see that the her nipples were cut off. Right. So there's like blood kind of coming from the chest region as they pull the. the yeah, so I think I'm gonna we're gonna talk about that later. Let's talk. They don't about show it later. the body though, that, which don't. I think is very important to note. They don't show the body. No, they they don't. Although I took that as like a they didn't get the shot type of thing. <laughs> That's yeah. less of a planned thing, more of a of a gaff. Yeah, because there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of yeah. blood. Yeah, and as as they're doing that, you hear Myers go, "Doesn't look like the summer of love to me." From there, you cut back to Sweet Nothing's office. That afternoon, uh, Kevin's with Christy, and she's they're kind of having a little back and forth. And Vanessa's on the phone. Uh, one of the other ladies is on the phone with a guy, you know, uh, and yells out to Christy. She's like, girl, get your butt in here. Joanne didn't show up for her shift, and we're swamped. Swamped with desire. And then she's on the phone with this guy. Swamp with desire for your tight, <laughs> muscular body. <laughs> Barbara pops out out of nowhere through one of her curtains while she's getting a guy off. And she's like moaning. And she says to Kevin, she's like, you were supposed to be here at 1.30 to shoot these pictures. 
And she's like, you threw off my day. And she goes back to moaning with the guy. And Kevin's like, he goes, you're getting really good at that. She's like, come on, are we going to go or not? And then Ruth is like, hold your horses. Where do you think you're going? And Barbara's like, Ruth, I told you. I have a, I told you a week ago I have to get my headshots done today. So Barbara gets her shit and leaves with Kevin. There's a lot of things going on there. Yeah, and there and there's fun like like you know, they 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 turn on the sex and then they, you know, sort of turn it off really easily. And there's humor in that and everything. Oh, it's um, super funny. Yeah. So right before Barbara and Kevin split, Ruth announces to everybody you know, for those of you that haven't heard, Kevin's been hired by Modern Photo Magazine to do a spread on the phone fantasy girls. And everybody gets all excited and applauds. And, you know, it's it's this moment of like, oh, again, this little community that they have total sitcom moment in a good way. And when you're watching it for the first time, you know, it's it's. It's actually more of a community than than we even know at the time because later on we find out that Dennis is like Ruth's ex-husband. So that means that clearly, uh, you know, Kevin is now sort of with with Ruth and her people. So it just you can tell that there was more unity before and maybe Dennis kind of fucked things up and he's a drunk over here. But I, I like that at, at this point in time, you don't really know that there's that much of a connection between Ruth and Kevin, but there is. And she, you can feel it. You just don't know what the reason is, but you can feel it. And she kind of treats him like, like motherly to him and everything. Again, I could just watch a movie or a sitcom, like you said, about just all these characters and just take away the, the horror element of it. Totally. You could have made a romantic comedy of, out of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's right? it, and, the, and it says a lot because, the you know, all the actors are just they're doing their job and the script is tight and fun. And it's just it's a testimony to the creatives involved that we could that we're saying this. It's a testimony that we're saying that we could watch all these characters in a different genre because I feel like they're so fleshed out. And the thing is. This is such like a B shocky B movie on paper, but yeah. in reality, it's infinitely better than it has any right to be. As Burt Reynolds says in Boogie Nights, we made a real thing. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> they made a real movie here. Yeah, they did. And we really care about the characters. We do. And this is a funny moment because so so Kevin says goodbye to Christy and they leave. He leaves with Barbara. And then Debbie, one of the callers, one of the one of the women there says, you know, I, I this she yells out to everybody. She's like, hey, this guy wants a threesome. And Ruth goes, I guess that leaves me. And she like shakes her boobs for a second. It's really funny. It's funny. And she walks over and picks up the phone and she goes, mm, your lust rod is pumping, pumping more action for just one girl to enjoy. Fire some of your love in my direction. Let <laughs> it fly, honey. Let it fly. <laughs> and then she like takes a sip of her jolt or something while she moves the the, the receiver away. Yeah, it's great. It's coffee. awesome. Cut to Kevin and Barbara coming out of an elevator, and they're suddenly approached by a guy way by a guy wearing a David Letterman T-shirt. Yeah. I, fun fact: I own that David Letterman T-shirt back <laughs> in the day from the NBC store in San Jose. <laughs> late, late night with David Letterman. Yeah, right there, front and center. So Dave Stringer. Uh, approaches them and he to me immediately gives 
and to me, immediately gives off vibes of Lewis Tully from Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. He's the pervert, from, like the pervert version of Lewis Tully. Well, I mean, Lewis Tully was a pervert. I'd say. True. Uh, I'd say he's he's the, the sleazy version of. And Lewis Tully was also sleazy. But yeah, I'm feeling you. Uh, I'm 100% there with you. Um, and then the red herring that they create, I think, is very well done because it had me going all the way up until pretty much the end um and and everything but i uh, was it bud cord uh plays bud, yeah bud court yeah. bud court he i think he's great in this and like i said this is my sort of biggest experience with him i, I i've seen a bunch of movies with him in but i don't remember him at all i think he's great in this to be truthful with you I, so again he's a he's a character actor you know he's been in tons of movies uh, mostly known for Harold and Maude and again if you've never seen Harold and Maude it's great because he's like a guy who wants to commit suicide all the time a little kid <laughs> and he meets this woman Ruth Gordon who's like you know in her late 70s and he's a teenager oh wait he's and Harold have... and Harold Maude? Yeah, Maude he's Harold yeah I've never seen a fucking movie because it beats Star Wars for best picture so fucking Harold and Maude can go well, fuck itself I will never wow. watch that movie. No. Wow. <laughs> Dude, I, Cat, I'm not, Steven, Cat Stevens does a soundtrack to that movie. I, I'm not that against it, I, but I'm I not I'm not, not running out to go see it. But the thing is, I can picture the Harold and Maude cover and everything in, in, in Harold. I didn't know that was him when I was watching this. No, because he's like 15 at the time or 16. No, he's older than that, but still, he's a kid versus yeah. now. And... I can see why it won Best Picture versus Star Wars because it is it's a classic it's but it's what Hollywood loves for the Academy Awards. So Yeah, and those movie, awards don't mean anything. And and what movie became a giant franchise? Well, no, exactly, but it's it's like, you know, the the year um the Forrest Gump beat out Shawshank kind of yeah. thing where you're like but 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 no, but 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 I'll t- Harold and Maude is a classic film. Okay. It's a beautiful movie. Sure. It's beautiful. Sure. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they bump. Yeah, they they meet Dave. Barbara's like, "Good morning, Dave," and like he says, "Oh, hello, Barbara. H- how are you this afternoon?" Very kind of meek, uh, and and you get you get the pervert vibes from him immediately. Of course. And Dave like awkwardly invites Barbara on his boat, and and then she's like, oh, "Sorry, I'm taken." And Dave like looks at Kevin and goes, "Oh, well." keep up the good voice work as she's walking <laughs> off. It's a very awkward moment. And you're like, Oh, this is the guy, right? This is the guy that's going to kill. He's yeah. the killer. Yeah. You're, you're of course. That's, I mean, that's what well, I first to hear. They're not building it up, but they, they definitely, they're laying the groundworks and everything. Um, Kevin goes, who, who was that? And she's like, Oh, one of my many men, the camera pans up to the, this cool Gothic shot of the, of the exterior of Kevin's uh, apartment. And you cut into Kevin's apartment. Kevin's getting his uh, photos set up, his uh, his photography stuff set up. You see, like, the camera's panning on artsy photos that he's taken. They're all nude photos, but they're yeah. very artistic. Um, they remind – it's total 80s. Yeah, you yeah. know, It's classic 80s photography of nude photos, but still – but very classy and sexy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, like the <laughs> – Go go check out um, like on Instagram like Walkman vibes or Obsessed by Neon. Those are yes. two sort of uh, eh, sleazier accounts, but they post a lot of pictures 
from this era. And yeah, the it's all in line with that. Girls at the beach, you know, but they're in their bikinis and stuff. It's it's I like it. I got no beef with it. <laughs> Look, it, you know, if it's your thing and it, it's very it's total 80s, yeah. 80s sexy. Mm-hmm. And Barbara's looking at the pictures and she's like, I didn't know you went to art school. And he's like, believe it or not, I have ambitions to do more than shooting. I have ambitions to do more than shoot weddings and bar mitzvahs. Yep, the the sad reality of every photographer. It's yeah. not the magazines that keep you in business. It's the weddings and the bar mitzvahs that keep you in business. <laughs> right. So he's adjusting his tripod for his camera and he yells out to Barbara as she's getting changed. He's like, do you want to start with the more wholesome look? And Barbara comes out in a very revealing dress. In fact, totally revealing. You can she's topless. <laughs> yep, yep, and she she comes on hard to Kevin and uh, I'm not quite sure if if the police didn't interrupt the scene in a few minutes. I don't would they have hooked up, do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so because too. Because Kevin, yeah. It's very like to to me this feels not biographical but like very relatable to LA yeah. people hooking up with each other just everyone's just, everyone's sexy everyone's beautiful in LA and they yeah. all just have no morals whatsoever <laughs> when yep. it comes to relationships <laughs> it's pretty accurate actually guys don't be an actor be a voice actor um go. so <laughs> i'm kidding uh so yeah she she comes out after he says that you want to do the more more wholesome look and he goes guess not <laughs> And she's like, what's the matter? Don't you like it? And he goes, oh, very much. But I thought we were doing headshots. And she thought, she goes, I thought I'd give you a few for your private files. And then she kind of gets up close to him. And he's like, I wouldn't get me started if I were you. I might be more than you can handle. And she's like, ooh, sounds exciting. So, yeah, they're totally about to go at it. Yeah. It's a very sexy scene. It is. I know. And then he tells her to go behind the, the scrim or whatever. Screen. Uh, yeah. Screen. Yeah. To, to, to start taking the pictures. And she kind of pouts for a second, like, Oh, poo. And then the music. Yeah. Turns on this music. Awesome. Synth wave music. It's, it's fantastic. so badass. Yeah. It, it is so infectious. It's like a really cool montage photography scene. That's really sexy and classy. And then he, she starts getting naked. I love it. Love all of it. <laughs> T to B. <laughs> the music continuing while the detectives uh, show up. And, and it's cool because they're, they're like, I like the shot because as they're walking up, it's slow motion. So it's kind of going with the beat and everything and, and whatnot. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's very well edited up, especially up to the point where I love the fact that that they, the cops, walk in. Because I'll just kind of jump for you. The yeah. door's a little bit open, so they just kind of go open. in. Yeah. Uh, the music's still playing. And then, you know, you're seeing a shot of, of Kevin and, and what's-her-name being all sexy. But Barbara, then the, yeah. the Barbara. And then the camera pans over. And I love the cop turns the music off in the movie. And it kills the music for us as well. So you realize that that music the whole time was like sort of is what they were listening to there. That It was just a really cool little cinematic moment to have the music tie into that like that with him turning it off and having it just cut completely. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It it It's jarring and it's intentional and yeah. you feel it, which mm-hmm. is great uh, because they're about to get hot and heavy again. Yeah. It's, it totally tracks, though, because the scene's sexy. He's like, she's like making goo-goo eyes at him, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it it all makes sense. 
And this is kind of the first indication that maybe Kevin isn't the good guy boyfriend, you know? No. But if the door was ajar, what if Christy had showed up? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a... But who knows what kind of relationship they had? Who yeah. knows, right? Suddenly, Barbara kind of gets shy, which is funny, uh, and she kind of covers herself and she walks off. And Myers introduces himself and McDonald to Kevin. Myers just lays right into Kevin. He's like, are you... He goes, are you acquainted with a Joanne trailer? And Kevin goes, yeah. How do you know her? McDonald says. He goes, I shot her. And then Myers like kind of glares at him. And Kevin goes, I'm a photographer. She's a friend. Why? Something happened? And Myers says, Joanne was killed early this morning. They found her body at the bottom of the Eagle Bridge of MacArthur Park. That's why I got it confused. I'm like, that looks like Echo Park to me, but whatever. Suddenly, Barbara's there. She starts bawling. Because obviously she has a relationship with Joanne too. I like how Myers, Myers almost has the vibe of like, who's this bitch? <laughs> well, he says that. He's like, who's this? And Kevin's like, well, just, you know, give me a minute. And meanwhile, while Kevin's comforting Barbara, McDonald and Myers are looking at pictures, headshots that uh, Kevin has on a clothesline. And McDonald points at the photo, which is Joanne, right? And Myers goes, nice looking girl. And he mumbles something. And I rewound, I rewound it like three or four times, but I didn't catch what he said. But I don't think it was that important. You know, he mumbles something, but then he's like, he says to Kevin, uh, he's like, who's the girl about Barbara? And, and Kevin goes, you know, her name's Barbara. She and Joanne work together. McDonald says, is she your girlfriend? And Kevin goes, just a client. And Meyer says, how do you know these girls? And Kevin goes, through my girlfriend. They all work together. McDonald says, what kind of work? And he's like, downtown at a company called Sweet Nothings. It's phone fantasy. It's not what you think, though. It's, it's a part-time job, like waiting tables. And Myers goes, you mean it's a phone sex business, right? <laughs> and Kevin's like, no. You know, he's like trying to basically play off like it's, it's not what it sounds like. Right, yeah. He's defending it. He's defending yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Myers asks for the address of the phone sex fantasy place. Kevin writes it down and says, ask her Ruth. She's in charge. And Myers says, we'll be in touch. And Kevin's like, yeah, no problem. Let me know if there's anything I can do. As they're walking out, Myers is like, thank you. I will. It's like very cut and dry. Done. Yeah. They go outside, cut to outside of Kevin's apartment, Myers and McDonald. And Myers is like, I think he's a little punk. No, <laughs> I think he's a liar and he's a punk. I think we need to keep tabs on him. He's like, if you're taking photographs of phone sex girls, you got to be a little kinky. And McDonald's like, hey, maybe he's just trying. This is this is a very important scene because yeah. McDonald goes, hey, maybe he's just trying to make a buck. I mean, come on, Frank, try to be a little liberal. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, and then which ties in later when when you know they're talking to Kevin uh, at the interrogation place, and and he's like to McDonald, you believe me, don't you? And she's like, I'm not sure, but she is kind of. Sort of, I mean, she even says it later, like she sort of plays devil's advocate or whatever. But, I mean, I think it's nice to have cops that are like both of them are coming at things from a different angle. Yeah. I I wouldn't think it would be smart to put two cops together that both viewed things the same. You kind of probably want a different point of view on things. Yeah, it's a good good cop, bad cop kind of scenario, right? Yeah. And so this is interesting because Myers kind of makes a good point. He's like, think about it. Have you seen these girls? Don't you think this guy's getting a little sexually aroused if you can't get any closer to them than the length of his camera lens? Yeah. And McDonald's like, who 
says he isn't getting any closer? Look at the guy. He probably gets more ass than a toilet seat. <laughs> She's, I think she wants Kevin. I Right? And McDonald's like, I'm not ruling the guy out. I just think there were a lot of guys who wanted to get close to this girl. And Meyer says, I want you to give me everything you can on this guy. I think he's a little too cool. <laughs> I, think he's a little, I think also Meyer's a little like jealous of... I think so, too, but, I mean, his hunches aren't quite wrong, either. No. So, this next scene is really shot well, dude. Uh, It's it's the uh, Sweet Nothing's office shot. Yes, dude. Describe it, describe uh, it. Yeah, so they're in there. God, I I love... We talk about it so much, but you know this movie, Zach, was filmed in January because it's the only time it rains in L.A. But I love the fact that like right now, <laughs> but I love the fact that they're that they're all sitting by that window, man. And like the wind is blowing in and stuff like that. And you can even though it doesn't storm a lot in L.A., like you can tell a storm is coming and I can't tell if they if if this was like intentional meaning like when they shot it the wind was really blowing like this or did they set that up i don't care i love it because i love the calm before the windy calm before a storm and they did that they nailed it here they did they did but so what's cool about this the opening to the scene (laughs) you're you're like you missed completely what i was going for but okay let me tell you yeah because because the uh the cops are at the office to interview Ruth and the, all the ladies are huddled around the door to the, um, the, the, the ladies are huddled around the door listening to the conversation Ruth is having with the detectives. Oh, I think, okay. I think I was looking at the, uh, that's later, isn't it? The notes, the, it, them it's talking coming up right after. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. You're right. The very first shot here is it's fan- It's a great shot. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. And the camera just goes in. Yeah. Yeah. It zooms in past the, the ladies listening through the door. There's a whole, the, the, the handle to the door is off and the camera goes through the hole to yeah. shoot Ruth talking to the detectives. It's very cool. It's very well done. Yeah. V- very well done. Yeah. I, my That's bad. I, I, I got too excited about the wind and everything. <laughs> Guys and gals, go listen to our review of the wind with wings. Hauser. I, <laughs> nice, I love wind. Uh, ni- nice tea up. Yeah. Nice tea up, dude. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, from there, you're McDonald and Meyer are talking to Ruth. They're asking Ruth if she's had any strange calls, and she's like, a few of the girls have been complaining about this one caller. He's got a deep voice. You mean my voice? No, Bobo, <laughs> go back to your room. Closet. <laughs> and she's like, you know, he, he always starts to get violent, and then he hangs up. And Myers is like, could you identify this voice? Probably, says Ruth. McDonald says, I know how you're feeling, but we need you to come down to the morgue and identify the body. And, she, and Ruth's kind of like, casual about it she's like i'm fine whatever you need me to do i'll do yeah honestly ruth and the girls they do whatever the cops want and yet they still somehow <laughs> turn out the ones that get they kind of get screwed in the, in the process of it you know what i mean well doesn't that kind of track yeah it does kind of track when you deal yeah. with the lapd yeah, yeah it does so now it's later that evening with the rain starting to come down. <laughs> and now let me tell you about the wind. People out there rolling <laughs> their fucking eyes in this fucking wind. <laughs> Aaron's like, no, 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 that's not it. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so from here, Christy comes in to the office and she's all excited because she talks about how she just got this commercial. She's an actor, too. Of course. And 
Barbara yells out, she's like, Christy, Joanne was killed last night. Vanessa says murdered. And Christy's like, how? What? Debbie? Th these are all the different characters. The ones you really need to focus on, though, are Christy, Barbara, and uh, Camille. Yeah. But Debbie says the cops were here this afternoon talking to Ruth. I think they also talked to Kevin. Christy's like, why Kevin? Barbara says they found a card. They found his card in Joanne's purse. And Christy's like, Kevin? But then right after she says that, I'm like, he's the photographer. For, he's shooting everybody. For everybody. What's the big deal? Yeah. There is no issue here, right? It's a fucking business card. It, it would be like if you're work talking to someone about podcasting and you give them your business card, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I like how Christy, like, <laughs> unlike actors, she doesn't, like, bring it back to her getting the job or whatever. Like, you never hear about that again. She She fully sort of, like, commits to like oh my god my friend is dead and that and like this whole journey now basically over you know takes over all of that and i i like that again because there's no there's no like you know mean girl in the group there's no like selfish girl in the group they're all just they're all just friends and that's what i think is awesome yeah so i i i agree with you on that and it what also stood out to me is that every single actor in this for the most part there's a few that are rough around the edges but for the main kind of principal actors in this are really good actors mm -hmm. like they're acting really well for a movie that you wouldn't expect the acting you wouldn't you'd be okay if the acting wasn't that great <laughs> yeah wasn't that great right yeah this again i said it before and i will say it again this movie's infinitely better than it has any right to be on paper totally so barbara is looking outside the window she's realizing that the rain is starting to come down. She complains that she's on her scooter tonight. And Camille's like, my first day, and look what happens. And then Debbie says, Joanne's murder had nothing to do with her working for sweet nothings. You'll be okay. And Vanessa says, lightning never strikes the same place twice. Mm. Wrong. And Wrong. Camille <laughs> says to Barbara, she's like, can I get a ride home with you? And then Vanessa goes, take the bus, child. Have you seen her scooter? <laughs> And Camille goes, I'd rather go, I'd rather not go home alone. Barbara, would you mind? And Barbara's like, yeah, I don't mind, but we're going to get caught in the rain. And then from there, Christy looks over at a photo of Joanne, which they, they kind of set up like an altar. Mm. I don't know if, it, I think it's her desk, but it looked like an altar where it's got her head shot and uh, her, her like uh, nail polish, her red nail polish. From there, same night. Dave is standing in the hallway drinking a cup of coffee, looking at a bulletin board outside a wall next to uh, – he's in the hallway, and he's right next to a water cooler. God. He's looking so, at a ad for a German poetry reading. That's yeah. what it was. God, so, so many downtown L.A. Uh, apartments I've been in that just – that look like this hallway here, man. Totally. Just, <laughs> just totally. Like, okay. my, my buddy Daniel had a um, – my buddy Daniel had a sweet apartment – in Hollywood, um, he lived there for over for decades, to the point where he he was a leather uh, he made leather bracelets, leather jewelry. Mm. He put leather countertops on all the counters in there and painted <laughs> all the walls red. It was so cool looking. But you go in this old ass like Franklin Apartments or whatever. Yeah, he paid like five hundred bucks a month. You know, just practically nothing. That's the great thing, guys and gals in L.A. Rent control is probably one of the best things you can possibly have. We don't have it up here, although our apartment has not gone up that much, but we don't have rent control, so they can technically like raise it as much as they want. But in L.A., man, 
Dude, you, you get a lot of people who've been living in the same apartment for like 10, 15 years because they're paying like $300 a month in what would now be like a $2,500 a month uh, apartment. But it just oh, rent yeah. control, baby. Rent control, baby. So Barbara and Camille see Dave in the hallway. And they it's funny because they're like, oh, shit. Especially Barbara because she knows who Dave is. Yeah. And they try to, like, sneak around him stealthily, right? <laughs> and Dave is stroking. I don't know if you noticed this, but he stroked the water cooler, like, kind of sexily, oh. like, like pervertedly. Strokes it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's creepy. <clears throat> and then Bar- Dave turns as Barbara is trying to sneak around him and he bumps into Barbara spilling his coffee on her and she yells at him, you know, and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I'm so excited. I can't control myself around you. (laughs) She's like, don't worry about it. And as they're kind of Barbara and Dave are having their interaction, Camille takes the little flyer, the German flyer off the uh, bulletin board, which I thought was funny. And, you know, Dave's like apologizing about Joanne she goes, thanks. And, and they say goodbye to Dave. And Dave's like, you know, tell everybody to be careful. Which I'm like, maybe he's not the killer. Maybe he's being, this is like the red herring kind of thing, right? And yeah. And you know what? You might be right. Yeah. And so as they're walking out, Camille goes, what a weirdo. And Barbara's like, yeah, but he gives great accounting. So you realize <laughs> he's an accountant. That was, I thought that was a funny line. I was cool yeah, with that. It is. It's a good line. They're walking down the stairs of the apartment building or whatever, and it's like a spiral staircase. And and you get a sense of how far down they have to go. Thus, later on, when someone has to run up those stairs, this is genius. You already know sort of how big those stairs are, how how long they are, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the Ghostbuster moment where you're passing out. (laughs) Bro, bro, I have it in my notes. I was going to bring it up later when when, uh, Dave has to go running upstairs and he's out of breath, but it is totally fucking Ghostbusters. Tell me when we get to 20, I'm going to throw up. And I, (laughs) as an ex-smoker, totally fucking understood that. (laughs) Um, Speaking of smoking, there's a lot of smoking that goes on in this movie. Yes. Um, And and Dave is totally Lewis Tully. Mm-hmm. Totally Lewis Tully. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You are a bit more sinister, but yeah, pretty much same vibes. Yeah. So from there, you cut to Barbara and Camille on Barbara's little scooter, and you, and if- you I love it. You come up, you see uh, Hill Hill and First. So uh, uh, I used to work on Hill in Washington, which is so if First Street is obviously First Street, that's the tunnel they're going to go through, First Street Tunnel. Uh, it it keeps counting down, and I was about. Washington is about fifth fifteenth street, or or it's higher than eleven. It's about fifteenth street or so. So yeah, Washington? I was on. Yeah. It, it, yeah, but they stopped they stopped numbering it at that point. But if you did keep numbering it, Washington would be about fifteen or so. So this is all like my fucking hood, like you know what I mean, like Hill and 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 First and shit like that. I used to live on Sixth and Spring, um, guys and gals. You can Google all this shit, and it's all around. And man, dude, I at this point, my favorite, I my favorite moments in Pad, like our Pad reviews, are are '80s downtown LA movies. And I honestly, I was not expecting. Out of the Dark to be an 80s uh, downtown L.A. movie. Pleasantly surprised. You could put this with, what was the other one we broke down that, that the, the director is associated with? Um, uh, one Dark Night? Yeah. Yes. Could these, 
together and be a nice little, you know, yeah. L.A., nighttime L.A. movies. Agreed, 100%. That's a double feature right there. Yeah, so take these two breakdowns and just have a road trip. There you, there you go. So what's funny is Barbara, uh, so Camille obviously is is riding behind Barbara. Barbara's driving the scooter. Barbara's got her helmet on. It's an obvious stunt double. At first, I thought it was a guy, which was really funny. <laughs> but then you realize it's, it's just a stunt double, but it's definitely not Barbara. I'm like, no, nope, that's not her, and that's why they have the helmet on her. But Camille does not have a helmet on. Barbara takes Camille to her apartment. Which I guess is Sil- in Silver Lake. Yeah, and it's again, I'm like, God damn, this shit feels so realistic. Mm-hmm. So realistic. Uh, Camille asks if... Barbara will wait for her. I'm like, you're such an actor, you know, like such a, like a self-centered, will you wait for me? You know, you're in the rain. Pouring down rain. Yeah. Barbara, go home. No, no, no. Wait for me. Just get soaked for me. Me, me, me. Fucking actors. Yeah. These are actors. I still like all of them. Yes. Me too. Me too. As many people do like actors, but then you get to know them more. And then check comes at dinner and they say, oh, can I pay you back? Or can I write you a check? That's the shit that went down when I first moved down to L.A. Yeah. And I would hang out with actors and like, oh, do you, can I write you a check when we get back to my place and we never go back to their place? Yeah. Shit like that. Fucking actors, man. And we have friends. We have friends that are actors. And I love them. But at the same time, fucking actors, man. We have listeners of the show who are actors. I'm an actor, but I'm not a screen actor, and <laughs> and, I, and I'm totally cheap. I'm totally cheap. Anyways, uh, yeah, she waits for Camille. She waits for Camille. Camille goes up to her place. Barbara splits. Suddenly, there's a car behind her trailing Barbara. I and here's the thing: I forgot to to look up the car, but that's a cool fucking car, by the way. Yeah, I forgot to look it up too. So uh, Kevin drives a cool car. He ca- he drives a Carmen Ghia, a convertible Carmen Ghia, which totally tracks. By the way, like a cool guy should drive a cool car. And that's yeah, a cool car. yeah. But, th- but yeah. this one is is kind of a man. I don't know that much about cars. It looks like some kind of like maybe a, like a '69 or a '70, '71 some kind of Dodge thing or something, but it's Dodge or Plymouth. Yeah. yeah, Kind of got a muscly car look to it, you know, somewhat of a four door, like, like potential cop car down the road. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it has a, maybe like a dart Dodge dart look to it or, or Valiant, maybe like a Plymouth, something like that. Mm -hmm. It looks, and it looks great in the rain following her here. Yeah. It's following her. And then she stops. She realizes that she's being followed. And she stops and she takes her helmet off and she says, you know, what's your fucking problem? Which I think is cool because she's like, she's tough, right? And the car has now butted up against her. And right after she says that, the driver floors it, forcing her forward into another car, catapulting her off her scooter onto the grass in front of a house. And she's lying there dead. Sort of, or dead. is she? Yeah, yeah <laughs> but sort of dead, dead-ish. Yeah. It's it's really it's it's a cool stunt. It's a cool moment because he, yeah, he, like you said, he shoots her off. She like jettisons through the air, and you can tell, like, he, well, you can't tell if like did she break her back or whatever, but she's she can't get up, so she's definitely fucked up, you know. Oh, she's fucked up, yeah, and she's about to die, yeah. And a dude comes out from the house, and he's speaking Spanish, 
and he's kind of doesn't see necessarily what's going on. He walks over to where Barbara is. Again, Barbara's on the ground. And he's yelling out to his wife who's inside like he can't see anything. And the woman's like yelling back at him. And he finally sees her on the ground, Barbara, and he says hello. And then he realizes that she's dying. And he goes, Madre de Mios, or something like that. And out of nowhere, a shovel comes down directly into his skull, going halfway through his head. It's an amazing hit. Corey, yeah. take it away. Yeah, dude. It's probably <laughs> the, the well, I guess the body and the, 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 the shower later is a bit gorier. But I didn't think that no, quite. No, I think this is more. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think that quite looked good. This looks fantastic and the shovel yeah it's like sunk straight down through the side of his head kind of where you would how you would put one of those fake arrows through your head but instead of the arrow being cut in half the shovel is fully severing like his skull i was not expecting that and it's i think it's the best death in the movie yeah, I, I would say for me it's number two, but I can see why it was the best for you. And, and this guy was an innocent. I mean, they're all yeah. innocent, but this yeah. guy had nothing to do with it. He was just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. And Bobo's freaking out. Can, can I do the left? You cannot do the left, Bobo. Go back to your closet. <laughs> you come out later. Okay. Yeah. No. And yeah. And warm milk. I like warm milk. Um, anyway, sorry about that. So it, but Barbara's freaking out at this point. Bobo's laughing. It's fucking creepy because he goes, it's time for Bobo, but it's more menacing than, yeah. what, you know, early you heard. And he says, put this here. And he puts a hose around her neck, uh, like a, like a water hose. Yeah. Like one hose? of those green garden hoses. Yeah. Yeah, and he starts like doing a little dance on his knees. He puts the the hose over her neck, and then he he has his knees over the on. He's sitting on top of the hose with his knees. Yeah. So so basically, her eyeballs are looking right up to his balls and dick, and he's sort of sitting on her head. But it's the head's her mouth is still exposed. But what he's doing is he's pushing his knees down on the hose, so his weight is choking her via the the garden hose essentially. Yeah, and she's kind of like choking herself by struggling. Yeah. But yeah. she actually starts trying to fight him off, which yeah. I which I was kind of impressed with. Again, reminds me of Scream where the deaths don't happen right away necessarily, where like there's a little bit of fighting going on. And the killer is kind of wacky. Yeah. Like they were in Scream. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. A little bit more malleable, a little bit more rubbery, mm-hmm. not so stiff like a Michael Myers or Jason. Which yeah. again, I really dug. Me too. Uh, he has, he has yeah. a lot of he's he, uh, Bobo has a lot of personality. I, I think is what it is. He totally does. Could have easily been a like a franchise. Yeah, a more yeah an ongoing type of thing. Yeah. So she finally dies. He Bobo stands up. He kisses her hand. And Bobo, do you want to say the line? Okay. And then Bobo says, "What do you say? Don't call me. I'll call you." <laughs> He does like a like a laugh type of thing, you know. And how was that? That that was good. That was good. Now go back to your closet. Good, good job, Bobo. Good job. Thanks. Go. Okay. Sorry. Don't encourage him, Corey. Come on. <laughs> Cut to Ruth's bedroom at night. You see a creepy stuffed clown on their bed. As the camera pans from the bottom of the bed up, you see a stuffed clown, a photo of a young girl. 
and Ruth is in bed, phone rings, she answers. This is really funny because you can kind of make out what the guy's saying on the other line. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's just Ruth. It's like very casual. Yeah, he's he's very casual as he's delivering some gut-wrenching information to, to Ruth. And this scene, it might be my favorite scene in the movie because I was not expecting to see... Karen, I mean Karen Black's great, but I was not expecting to see so much acting in this movie, in in good in a good way. You know what I mean? Well, she yeah, and she's very like in some respect she's kind of a cliche actor with her like very dramatized lines, but she's so good at it. And what's funny is the 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 police officer is describing what happened to Barbara that she's dead. And he wants her to come down and identify the body. And you hear the cop in the other line go, we want to get it wrapped up by tomorrow around 9, 930, yeah. <laughs> something like that. But but see, the thing is, like, that cop has no clue. Well, I mean, first off, they should have a little bit more couth than that. But no they compassion. Also have, they also have no clue that, I mean, Karen, or, I'm sorry, Ruth basically had the same information delivered to her just this morning and now it's happening again and she's just like i mean again she's doing a karen box doing a fantastic job of on her face she's like like how can this be happening like again and yet and and this guy on the other end is so cold about it or he's, he's sort of aloof about it and she's just like she's quietly sobbing but like sort of also agreeing to yeah i'll go down there and identify the body and everything but she's like yeah she's being punched in the stomach and you see it all on her face and that's when i think my first viewing i'm sitting there smoking a joint and this is when i sit up and i'm like this movie is just it's it's firing on cylinders that it has no right to fire on you know no and it's and it's doing a damn good job of it too yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. And, and you know, she's trying to keep it together. And she says, I'll be there at 10. I'll be there at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And then you hear the cop go, okay, thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, clearly that was not the actor on the other end that was doing him. He could have done a better job, but I think it's funny nevertheless. Yeah. There's like a little dark comedy in there. Yeah. Um, so suddenly this little girl appears, the one who was the photo of the girl earlier which looked like a headshot by the way and you see her photo in uh, ruth's office too yes you do you're right good call and she goes i heard the phone ring was that daddy <laughs> ruth goes daddy wants to be alone for a while and she goes oh is he mad at me <laughs> and she goes she goes sometimes people get tired of where they are <laughs> that's horrible and and the little girl goes claudine is her name she's like you're not going to get tired of me, are you? <laughs> and Ruth goes, never. <laughs> and, but then Ruth says, can I sleep with you tonight? And Claudine says, how come? And Ruth goes, I'm scared. And she goes, did you have a nightmare? And Ruth goes, yeah, kind of. And they kind of cuddle each other, which is funny. Like, obviously, Ruth is shook at yeah. this point. Two deaths in less than 24 hours. Yeah, clearly she's not feeling good, but it's an awkward moment because Claudine, the little daughter, is like trying to hold it together for her mom. Yeah. Which and, we all been there, folks. And you know what? The kid who plays Claudine, great. She's like, this is the only time she's in the movie. Thought she was fine. Like yeah, as far as kid fine. actors go, you know? She was good. She was good. Okay. <laughs> Cut to the next morning. 
Something about fucking guys with basketballs and, and hoops in their... <laughs> First, we got Wings Hauser in, yeah. Uh, yeah. in his movie, right? With his basketball hoop on the wall. I guess he got Fletch. Fletch had a Fletch had a hoop on his wall, too. Yeah, he did that, and that's an L.A. movie as well. Where was Fletch's apartment? That wasn't downtown, though, was it? No, and it was very nondescript. I know yeah. he had a parapet, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... We cut. To, we'll get to the basketball hoop with Kevin in a second. It's coming. We cut to Kevin's bedroom the next morning, and he's. You get a shot of his boxers all <laughs> right in front of your face, and he's bringing coffee to Christy, and he kisses her, and he's trying to like kind of make his move on her, but she's like depressed because her friend died. Because her friend even, died, she doesn't even know about the other one yet. She doesn't know about Barbara yet. No, and he's like, I wish I could do something to cheer you up, and he goes, I know. Let's play some hoops. Yeah. And then you can give me a blowjob, and that'll be A-OK. -okay. <laughs> and then he goes, we can play horse. <laughs> so he goes, winner gets a trip to the desert. He brings up the desert again. Oh, my God. I love this scene because he starts calling. He gets ready to start playing. He's like drags her over there to start playing basketball. And then, yeah, she goes to give him a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Suddenly you hear the door buzz. And he walks away from her, grabs the door, and he's like, what? He yells at the door. And it's McDonald and Myers. Of course. And McDonald's like, sorry to disturb you at this time in the morning. Myers interrupts and goes, there was another murder last night. Your friend from yesterday, Barbara Pretty. Kevin goes, she's dead? And Myers goes, yeah, that's usually what happens after a murder. <laughs> it's fucking funny, man. Yeah, I like that. I, I love that line. I tell you, second time around, I was like, that's, this movie's even better than I thought it was. Yeah, it, it actually is. For me, it was better on the second viewing as well. And McDonald goes, where did she go when she left here? Because remember, guys, she was in his apartment earlier that day, the mm -hmm. day before. And Kevin goes to work, I guess, or to work. And McDonald goes, she went back to work after everything that happened. Meanwhile, Christy's standing right by them as well. And Kevin's like, yeah, she wanted to talk to the other girls. Meyer says, where did you go after she left? And then Christy says, he, he was with me. And then Myers looks at Kevin and says, you got quite an assortment through here. Who's this? And Kevin says, this is my girlfriend. Myers looks at Christy and says, you say he was with you last night? And Christy says, yeah, we, were, we went out dancing and then we came home together. And Myers goes, evidently. And then <laughs> McDonald looks at Christy and says, well, what do you do? Christy says, I work for the same service. And McDonald says, is there any way one of these callers could track you girls down? And Christy says, I'm sure anyone with half a brain could find out our building and follow us home at night. McDonald gives her a card and says, if you get any strange calls or you see anyone suspicious hanging around, give us a call. And then as they're walking out, Myers looks at Kevin and goes, and as for you, and he tosses him as basketball. And Kevin goes, what? He goes, we'll be in touch. <laughs> Christy looks at Kevin and she's like, where were you last night? And he goes, I was here alone. And where were you? And I kind of I kind of like that he threw back to her. Where were you? I mean, we can tell that it's a guy under the mask, but, you know, they, they could throw a little they could have thrown us a curveball at the end, maybe. But I, I felt like they were setting up a, a potential tiny little red herring with her, you know? Exactly. Exactly. No, totally agree. Totally agree. That was that was smart. 
Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. From there, you cut to the police station later that day, and Myers is wearing a, he's at his computer terminal, and he's wearing a bow tie, <laughs> very interesting, and McDonald walks in, and she touches the bow tie, and she's like, so who do you think you are, fabulous Langella? And Myers goes, yeah, we'll see if Mr. Slick Langella is still top dog around here after this, and McDonald's asking him what, he, what he's got, and he's looking at the computer, and he's like, what have I got? How about 16 unpaid parking tickets? Not a big deal. A yeah. DWI, sort of not a big deal. And two <laughs> counts of minor possession. Again, not that big of a deal. Not a big McDonald's deal. McDonald's like, so what? Being a pot smoker doesn't make him a killer. Who are they talking about? They're talking about Kevin. Meyer says, hold on. I saved the best for last. And they cut to a shot, a mug shot of Kevin on the computer. He's been charged and found guilty of assault of an old girlfriend, who also, by the way, happened to be a minor. What do you think of this Silvers guy now? And McDonald says, Your hunches have proved wrong before, Frank. That's important to note, too. Yeah. Remember that case in Santa Monica? And he goes, Hey, watch your mouth. <laughs> I love it. They have that little rapport. She kind of gives him a little sly little smile because, you know, you can tell that it's something in the past that they don't want to talk about. And it kind of comes up later. And he's like, You always got to play devil's advocate, huh? And she's like, It's what I live for. From there, you cut to Ruth's office. Ruth is talking to Kevin, and she's saying, like, you know, basically talking about the murder. And Christy, and then Christy comes in, and Christy looks upset, and she's pissed, right? And she she asks Ruth if she can talk to Kevin alone, and Ruth leaves her office to leave them alone. And Christy yells at Kevin. She goes, why didn't you tell me about your old girlfriend? And Kevin, and I, I respond kind of see his side in this he's like it's a part of my life i wasn't proud of yeah you know he didn't want to talk to her about it so did the cops tell christy then is that is that what they did i guess i think that's what's alluded right yeah that's that's my takeaway from it maybe and maybe he called her up and was like what do you know about your boyfriend did you know about this prior that he had you know type of thing yeah i could see that because they had that interaction earlier with the card and whatnot so who knows yeah exactly She's like, I can't believe you wouldn't trust me to tell you that. 
Christy says, Myers is sitting here telling me about your access to the girls and about your past. And Kevin's like, I love you. You got to know that, right? She's like, I love you too, but what are we going to do? And suddenly out of nowhere, Dennis appears drunk <laughs> with a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand. Yeah. And honestly, I, I love Jeffrey Lewis. I, I think he's great, but yeah. he is doing drunk 101 in this scene. And it's honestly, it's probably the weakest moment of the movie, in my opinion. I I agree. He's super sweaty, looking super drunk, and he's pissed off at Kevin. He throws Kevin against the wall. He's basically pissed that Kevin got that modern photo job that Ruth had alluded to earlier. And and he also is like he's like blaming Kevin for sort of all the woes in his life. And and I say I like all that. I just wish they didn't add the you know, acting drunk on top of it. I, I think like, I like what he's saying. I like the, the, the impetus to the scene. I like what he, you know, what, what Dennis is trying to, you know, talk about here, but I just didn't like his, his acting that he's acting all drunk. But I, I think it's funny that he's like, well, you know, that, that, that wedding that they fired me from, what did you do there? Did you tell them that I was drunk? It's like, no, you were just drunk and you got fired. You were just drunk. So, so I like that. I like that he blames Kevin for everything when it's actually, it's all his doing. I think as, as much as I'm not in love with the, the acting of drunk, I think they're doing a great job with the character and showing you that it's, you know, looking in the mirror, who, who's the one that, that causes all your problems. It's, it's you. It's in yes. the mirror. It's you, you know? Yeah. And this scene is to clearly throw another red herring into the story. Yeah. It's just to make a, another kind of potential killer. You know, maybe it could be this guy, Dennis. Yeah. I, yeah, I, ne- I never quite felt it. The only red herring I ever felt was, was, uh, uh, Skinner, uh, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, but I'm I'm assuming mm-hmm. because other than that, this scene doesn't have a whole lot of consequence to it. No, no. Okay, it's like almost like everything with Dennis in the movie doesn't really have much to do overall with anything. Maybe the 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 people associated with the movie were like, oh, but we but we got Jeffrey Lewis. We got to give yeah, him something. Got to give him which something I to totally do. get. I yeah. mean, Jeffrey Lewis is phenomenal. So. Just getting in for anything. Maybe they wrote this part on the spot for him. Who knows? Probably not. But I'm just saying, like, they probably loved the fact that he was in their movie and they gave him something to do. And any critique I have of this scene, I wouldn't want to change anything here. Like, I wouldn't want to change him being in the movie or anything like that. I think it all all the pieces work towards the whole. No. Yeah, I agree. And and he does deliver one line right before he leaves that is relevant. He says, we'll see whose ass ends up in jail because, you know, Kevin said, you're going to end up in jail. And he says, we'll see whose ass ends up in jail. You're going to get yours, baby. <laughs> Don't worry. What comes around goes around. You know what I mean? <laughs> the funny thing is he's not even slurring his speeches. But, uh, yeah, no. I get what you're doing there. And, and yeah, you're right. And the only thing I'll say is – so. Ruth's office is interesting. There's two doors and like, so Dennis leaves and, and fucking Kevin gets upset. He kind of punches the wall and then like Ruth comes in like sort of right away. It's almost like there's being like, is Dennis really Ruth type of thing? Like one of those silly sort of things, you know? Right. But I mean, that's not what they're playing it up as, but I took it as that because he goes out one door, she comes in the other. Well, yeah, so he splits, and then Kevin, Christy's still there, right? Mm -hmm. Kevin hits the wall, which 
alerts Ruth to come in. She storms in and she's yelling at Kevin, like, what the hell just went on in here? And Kevin's like, don't worry about it. Christy's like, don't worry about it. Dennis is violent, Kevin. And that's important too. Yeah. Like alluding, right? Yeah, you're right. They, like, they are setting Dennis up as a red herring here. Just a little bit. But Kevin's like, Myers thinks I'm the one out trying to kill everybody. And the Ruth says, well, what about the Mexican woman? The one whose husband was murdered? She might have seen the killer. Kevin says, well, the police already questioned her. They said she didn't see him clearly enough to identify him. But then Christy says, and this is a cool line. She goes, well, maybe she saw enough to disidentify you. Great logic. Fantastic. Yeah. Cut to the tonal shift of this movie. (laughs) Cut to Silver Lake, which looks like a park. I'm like, wait, they had a house in front of a park? Because they look like they're at a park. It's a weird shot, but... But maybe they did. Sometimes, you know, you go to parks in L.A., they've got the groundskeeper who, like, lives at the park, basically has a house there. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Maybe. All I know is is that her and her kids cleaned up all the blood out of the park uh, this morning. It's like, what? (laughs) My kids cleaned this all. Like, wait, how do you clean up grass? What? So they just hosed it down, I guess. So they... So you cut to, except for one little piece of evidence, a big piece of evidence yeah. that they're about to find. A huge one that the fucking cops should have found. That, right? So much for forensics. So you cut to the park the next day where Barbara was killed and Kevin and Ruth and Christy, who's wearing a terrible hat on her head. It's pretty horrible. It's supposed, supposed to be cute, but I'm like, it's not very cute. No. But that's just my taste. So, some, and, some fashion in the 80s needs to just stay there. Yeah, and then the man who got the shovel in his cranium, his his wife is there. This is actually really funny. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Because right out of the gate, she's way too like happy that her husband's dead. But right out of the gate, she also talks about how he sat around just watching TV and doing nothing anyway. So I yeah. think she is happy that he's fucking dead. Yeah, it's immediately cuts into her like in the middle of her monologue about her husband. She's like, he's a good-for-nothing bum who didn't do anything <laughs> except watch television and make me bring him beers. <laughs> She's like, it's okay. She goes, my husband was standing there. And so she like points to the yard and, and then she, she's like, well, I'm not sure. And she looks at Kevin. She's like, she goes, could you go stand over there to tell Kevin to, she starts directing him, which is really fucking funny. <laughs> and so Kevin goes to the spot in the yard where her husband was killed. She goes, stop right there. He was right there. First he said he couldn't see anything. And then she looks at Kevin. She's like, kind of get it wanting him to say something he goes i can't see anything she's like yeah (laughs) so he walked a little further out and called hello and she looks at kevin like say the line and kevin goes hello (laughs) she's like it's like man it's like dance monkey dance (laughs) yeah and she's like yes very good very good then he looked down and saw something on the ground the other body i guess and then turned back to the house that was when the shovel severed his skull. <laughs> She's so severed excited. Severed his skull. And like, I like how Kevin like sort of t- touches his head, you know, yeah, like in yeah. pain, you know? Totally, dude. <laughs> so Kevin drops to the ground, but then he kind of winces for a second because something went on his hand, right? And the wife's like, there was blood everywhere. I took, it took my kids forever to clean it up this morning. <laughs> what the fuck? Do you, do you just rinse down fucking grass or something? And the Ruth goes, did you see the killer's face? And the wife says, well, he was wearing a mask. And Kevin's like, what did it look like? And she goes, kind of like a clown. That's when I wrote down, I didn't like Christy's hat. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, and that's when I realized I didn't like Christy's hat. Yeah. 
and the, and and Christy looks at her looks at the wife and goes, "Well, thank you for your help." And then the wife goes, "No problem. Are you from TV?" <laughs> and Christy goes, "Sorry." And she kind of like goes, "Okay, bye." And like okay. walks off all happy. <laughs> and then Kevin walks over closer to Ruth and Christy and goes, "I found something." And Ruth says, "What is it?" And he shows it's part of the rearview mirror from the car. Yep. Or the could it have been of the the scooter maybe? No, because she fits it into the piece of the oh, rear. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Derp. Never mind. Okay, from there we cut. This is probably another scene that could have been lifted. Uh, you're cut to Dennis's loft apartment, which is probably just Kevin's, and they shot it from a different angle and covered <laughs> covered yeah, it with lights. Because he's almost like in Shades. a in a corner or something. Oh my god, it scared me. <laughs> scared the shit out of me too, French. <laughs> then French came up behind uh, Zach, scared the shit out of me. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Th- this this scene's interesting, and I I agree with you. I think they were just given uh, uh, Jeffrey Lewis like a l- little bit more meat you know, to chew on, give his character some information. But we get information from this scene. Whether it's important or not, I don't know. I mean, the movie's like an hour and 29 minutes. They could have shaved this two minutes off, and I think we would have been fine. Yeah, because he's he's saying, like, how come I didn't get the modern photo shoot? And Ruth is... Because she, like, comes in and looks like she's about to start cleaning up his apartment. He's lying down on the floor against his wall drunk you know complaining about kevin and ruth is like you know you're a drunk you're you're just a two-bit porn photographer who can't get hired to take polaroids at a family barbecue kevin's like dennis goes kevin shot his share of smut and and ruth's like not since he left you and talks about how he's become a better person and then she goes i don't want you going near claudine the girls kevin or anyone else i know and dennis starts to like wince and he's like oh that's not fair ruth and ruth just walks out i mean i like knowing what the relationship everyone has and everything and i i like this backs you know having this backstory ultimately i think you're right they, they could have cut it but i actually kind of enjoy it uh honestly I can kind of feel Dennis's pain, you know, and it's it's the pain of like the artist that didn't quite achieve what they wanted yeah. to achieve, but you know the answer is not in the bottom of of a of a bottle, you know what I mean? The answer is you pick yourself up and and you you better yourself, but like Corey's under- life changing moments. <laughs> God damn it. But I did I did feel his pain right here, and I felt I felt a little bad yeah. for the character, you know. I did too. I, I it's it's a it's it's a somewhat of a throwaway scene, but the acting's still good. So you the, want it in there, yeah. The script is good. Like the writing is good. It's all fine. It just you just didn't need it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's it's padding, but it's padding that's that's enjoyable and well done. Yeah, yeah. Cut back to Sweet Nothing's office, and Myers is there w- with McDonald. And Myers is basically trying to get their help to catch the killer. Myers says, you know, he wants to lure the guy to their office. And Ruth's like, forget it. And McDonald goes, there's no danger. The girls don't even have to be here. And Ruth's like, how are you going to manage that? And Myers says, we'll forward the calls at this number to one of the girls' homes. This is all important shit. Again, oh, yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. This is the reason I got to say this stuff. 
And and Meyer says, that way, when the guy calls, she'll be in the safety of her own living room with a police escort at the front door. She'll lure the guy to the office offering sexual favors. Only when he gets here, he'll find half the LAPD waiting to fuck him. And Ruth's like, I don't know. Camille, and McDonald says, well, Camille's already volunteered. Oh, and Ruth's Camille. like, wait, what? Are you sure? And Camille goes, yeah, the guy's a nut. We got to get him. If Myers and McDonald say they're going to lock him up and I'll be safe, then I believe him. And Myers is like, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it would have been safer if they just did the, had the girl stay there and just have cops out in the hallway and everything, you know? Right, exactly. From there, you cut to Dave Stringer in the hallway with a random dude walking down and he's, he's basically taking a client to his office to do his taxes or whatever accounting. And he's mumbling something about they don't validate parking, but it's like something about like, but I, that's why I charge so low rates or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like it makes sense. And it, it's kind of, again, like meaningless talk but you get the sense that okay well he's in the same hallways they they share like maybe a wall and he's walking down the hall to his office with this guy and then Myers and McDonald walk right past him and then he walks back down the hallway to where the entrance to sweet nothings is and the camera stays on him in the hallway but it's kind of like panning back as he's still kind of looking at the entrance to sweet nothings it's very it's very creepy and he starts smoking a cigarette yeah yeah it's a multiple red herring stuff there because we're gonna see the killer smoke a cigarette uh through the mask and everything so that's one red herring and then yeah it kind of you think he's kind of like looking at that the office like in sort of a knowing way like i know what they're trying to do and i'm gonna circumvent it because i'm the killer yes from there, you cut to Camille on the phone doing her thing with a customer. And it's really funny because the guy in the other line is like, I mean, it's I won't do the impression, but it's very racist. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, this one's not Bobo. And no, I, it's, not, it's not me yet. Go back to your room. Sorry. <laughs> And I can I say I love the two cops that are that are in charge of like listening to the recordings and I love them fighting over who gets to listen and who doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. So Camille is in her apartment, her Silver Lake apartment, her Silver Lake apartment, accepting the calls. And there's a cop outside uh, her as well. We've seen. Yeah, on her parapet, her little loft or her little window area watching her like picking his nose practically yeah and she's grossed out by it because he's like waving at her and she thinks he's gross and uh yeah and then back at sweet nothings you've got two cops that are listening in like a stakeout and uh and then yeah one guy's getting super excited about it and they're arguing <laughs> about who gets to listen and then the one guy who's turned on says i gotta go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> And like the one one cop is wiping the sweat from his brow, and you're like, well, this kind of this kind of makes sense, yeah. <laughs> and the one uh, one of the cops is like, the one who's wiping the sweat from his brow, he's like, this girl's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And my, and the, when he says, I gotta go to the bathroom, Myers is like, you know, shut up and stay put. I'm trying to listen. And Christy's like, there's nothing to. So all the girls uh, who work there are still there, all the women. And Christy goes, there's nothing to hear, Lieutenant. 
This isn't the right caller. And Myers says, like, I'm studying her speech pattern so I can pick up on any sudden changes in her voice. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> You're just listening, man. And actually, Ruth says that. She's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the cops are talking about, like, how long is this going to take? And Ruth says, this might take days. And then, you know, the guy, Camille's still on the phone with this guy who's probably beating off and he's all excited and then he just finishes and she's like well call me again you know my number and she hangs up and then she swigs from her jolt cola no jolt second appearance (laughs) gotta love it baby did you drink jolt back in the day oh hell no everybody was like it's so funny so back in the day i I heard you know twice the caffeine is a regular coke and and i thought i think i might have had one once and it made me too just too caffeined yeah too now red bull i'll chug red bull all the time yeah. How about you? Yeah, no, I wasn't a big Jolt fan, but uh, my, my favorite thing when I worked at the porn store uh, was to mix cold coffee with Coke and uh, until my heart started beating too much, and then I was just like, nah, I got to yeah. stop this. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anything with a lightning bolt on it, uh, liquid, liquefied, yeah. probably yeah. not so good for not you. Not the best. Not the best. <laughs> no. So, yeah, this is when the policeman at Camille's knocks on the window, waves, and she's grossed out by him. She's yeah. like, another putz. And the police, uh, the two beat cops at the at Sweet Nothings are arguing, you know, give me the headphones. It's my turn to listen. <laughs> Myers is telling him to shut up. So you cut back to Camille in her apartment, and she's taking a break. No one's calling her. She takes a bite of her carrot. She mumbles something about her mom, uh, talking to her mom. And she's like, for the past 10 days, I've had two two candy bars or something like that. And she and she says uh she's talking to herself she's like i'm making i'm making a commercial copy audition and she has a she's sitting at a chair facing her television with a video camera pointed behind the television at her yeah so she's watching herself on camera right while she's like sort of doing a a faux commercial for a granola bar type of thing which is really good actually she launches into this commercial and like oh damn you're you're good yeah i'd buy that it's yeah, with called a, uh, Connie's Cookie Bars. Yeah, with a with a mouthful of carrot, and she she's she's like she actually li- delivers her lines, and and it's cute and it's funny, and at the end of it, she's like, "I'll keep working on it," and kind of laughs. I, I did not want her to die of all the girls. No, she's yeah, she's she's cool, and she like has morals. She wants to catch this guy, right? Mm-hmm. So suddenly the phone rings. She picks it up, says hello. And it's, who is it? Who is it, Bobo? It's me. Can, can I do it? No, no. I'm just announcing you. Go back to your closet. But it's me. <laughs> but it is him. Okay, go ahead and do it. She goes, who is this? And he goes, the rowdy Dr. Bobo. And Christy goes, that's him. McDonald says, are you sure? And Myers goes, shh, I can't hear. And of course, it, it does make sense at this point. You realize especially multiple viewings, like why he has to change his voice, you know, so that that people who do know him don't recognize him. I I changed my voice on purpose. Corey's right. It wasn't bad acting. It was just me changing my voice. Okay, are you going to do the lines? Can I please? Yeah, you'll do the lines. Do you know when to come in? Of course I know when to come. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) (sighs) It's going to be one of those nights, guys. Okay, so anyways, Bobo, where are you? Well, I, I called Camille uh, from from a phone booth. 
Okay. Yeah. And I'm wearing my mask. Yep. Okay. You're you're pretty good at this breakdown thing. Yeah. And I'm smoking a cigarette. And then I said, this time I want to do something for you. Okay. Yeah. And then Camille says, well, what's that? And then Bobo, what, what do you say? I want to get you off. And then Camille says, this is, this, this is for you, not for me. And Myers is like, come on, you know, get him into the office. So we're cutting between Sweet Nothings, Camille's home, and the phone booth. And also, too, like, they still have the girls at the, the office. So, like, why couldn't Camille have just been on the phone? Because it's not like it's just cops at the office. Do you know what I mean? It's also yeah. cops plus Ruth plus Christy. It's like, why? Then Camille should have just been there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So everyone's listening. And Bobo, what do you say? I, I want you to touch yourself in and out. Okay. Can, this is so gross. Bobo's well, it's it's going to get grosser. It. Yeah. And Camille's like, oh, yeah, it feels so good. And then I say, I think you're lying to me. Don't you dare fucking lie to me, you brown-haired, brown-eyed bitch. Put your hair down. And then she gets freaked out. Everyone gets freaked out because they're like, wait a minute. Clearly, Bobo knows that it's Camille. And he goes, and what do you say, Bobo? I want you to rip your shirt off. I want to hear the thing rip to shreds. So the cop at this point is like gone. He's taking a smoke break or something. (laughs) And Bobo, what do you say? I want to hear you quiver with anticipation and shriek with pain all over And so Camille's starting to get into it, and he goes, now that's more like it. Feels good, doesn't it? And then Camille's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And Camille's like, why why don't you come over, and you can touch me for yourself? And then I say, oh, no. But then Camille's, like, trying more to get him to come over. And then, Bobo, what what do you say? Well, that's not the way the game is played. Now you do as you're told. Okay, Bobo, this kind of keeps going on and on, right? It does, because what ends up happening is I've left a tape recording by the phone, and and everyone thinks I'm on the phone with her, with Camille, but I'm not there. And the recording says, Joanne did as she was told. She seemed like such a major leaguer over the phone. But what happened to her? Well, she said I could play with her breasts, but when we got to the park, she wouldn't let me. Now I got her nipples neatly filed away. Okay, I'm going to come back to that because you find nipples in that filing cabinet later uh, in in Skinner's filing cabinet. So my question to you is, did Bobo, who actually is, who, you know, who is Bobo, did they plant that there? I don't know. What what do you think, Bobo? I can't I'm I can't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> that's that's incriminating, isn't it, Bobo? It is. <laughs> Cuz I told her I told her I filed it under N for no tits. <laughs> <laughs> You're disturbing the hell out of me, Bobo. This is really this is the most grossest discussion. Well, you can thank Aaron for that. I know. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> thank you for all of this. <laughs> thank oh you, God. Aaron. Thank you for all of it. <laughs> So this is all so freaky because you know you you know as a viewer what's happening. Yeah. He's at her house and so she's on the phone with him thinking she's still talking or listening to him talk 
And then right behind her, this hand comes up from behind her chair. With the white gloves. White gloves. And it's Bobo. And he puts something around her neck. Now, at first, I thought it was like a hose, but it's actually the 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 one of those bendable lights and yeah. it's the bendable part of the light and he wraps it around her neck strangling her yep oh it's it's intense dude it's intense is that what you did bobo that's what i did okay i think we're done with you for for now you can go back to your my closet yeah <laughs> go go masturbate in your closet how did you know Corey? because <laughs> <laughs> we can smell our own <laughs> yeah exactly just well, i'll talk to you later I love you. I, I, I love you too. So from there, they've been tracing the calls the whole time. They finally get a lead on where the trace is coming from. They realize it's at a phone booth right by Camille's house apartment. So they get out there as fast as they can. But Camille's already dead. So Ruth and Christy and the cops roll up to Camille's place. They're running up the stairs. And they, they blow and, past another like sort of beat cop trying to stop them you know yeah so they they blow past one cop the cop that was watching supposed the cop that was supposed to watch camille had his throat slashed and he was dead on the ground yeah so ruth and christy see that the myers goes into camille's place and sees on the tv screen basically the replay of what had happened to camille getting strangled by this lamp and then bobo looks at the camera waves and shuts it off yeah, that's that's intense to actually see that, you know. It's really intense. It's really intense. And oh, he had some sort of toy in his hand too. Did you notice that? Some sort of like mm. weird toy. Okay. I rewound it a few times, but I couldn't make out what it was. You sure it wasn't the the corn or not the the carrot? No, he put that back in her mouth. Weirdly. He put the carrot that, back in. Chris, and, and that was kind mouth. of a, a freaky scene too, because she was like dead, her eyes are open, and he's like fumbling with her mouth, and the act the actress is doing a great job of not reacting as he's like putting this carrot back into her mouth. I thought that was kind of, I, I thought that was freakier than sort of anything else with her, her death scene, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Cause the, 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 the thing that he wrapped around her neck, that took a lot more effort on the actor's part to yeah. look like she was being strangled. Especially when you watch the video of it, you yeah. can tell that it's not done as well because you can tell that the actor who's playing Bobo doesn't want to like hit her in the chin or something with it so he's kind of being a little bit more careful and she's trying to act like it's just it's a gaff it's a little bit of a gaff but it's fine like i got no beef with it i just thought it was i thought it was funny and charming that that it was just kind of you can tell they were acting in the video yeah it was like those scene those those uh those wrestling matches where a guy's getting strangled by rope or something. And he's like flailing a lot more than the guy who's actually strangling with the rope. And you can tell that like the rope or whatever it is, is like three inches from their neck. It's like not even touching them type of thing. Yeah, Cause there's another moment in this movie when there's another death coming up where he throws something at, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what did he just throw a balloon or something? Yeah. That's a weird one. That we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. So Myers comes out of Camille's place. And he's looking kind of depressed, looking at Ruth. And Christy and Ruth both lay in on Myers. Rightfully so. You fucked up. You said no one would get hurt. So first, like, Christy goes after him. And then Ruth just lays into him, screaming at him. And it's really uh, an intense scene. The scene gets slightly deflated, though, because... He's watching her with zero emotion whatsoever, almost to the point where he almost like 
like someone just flipped the off switch on the robot. Like he looks dead in the eyes. Yeah. And she continues to like go off on this monologue about how, you know, how hard this is. Why couldn't you have listened to me? She's like screaming, wailing. And then she just stands there and they're looking at each other for a really long time. And I'm like, this scene's going awkwardly long for me. And maybe that's on purpose. Like, it maybe it's supposed to be awkward. You know it what I mean? It was, but it's comical at that point, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, and and yeah. then it fades out. Fades out to the parking garage the next day. Or, well, it fades out to the parking garage later that night, I guess. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, at some point, it kind of, the, the timeline sort of blurs a little bit, but it's it's fine. I, I don't have a problem with it, you know? Yeah, and and Kevin and Christy are in Kevin's car and he's saying, you know, do you want me to stay with you tonight? And she's like, no, it's okay. You're busy. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? This is like the third murder now? Yeah, I know. I would want my guy to be with me. Yes. yes. And she's like, it's okay. I'll be fine. You know, and then he goes, well, let me walk you to your walk you to your place. And this is funny because he goes, so he gets out of the car. She's in the passenger side. She like looks down at the door handle, but she like there's no door handle there, I think, because he has to walk over and pull the door out for her. <laughs> Just really funny. So he starts walking her to her place. They start to kiss. Like she, he basically kisses all the lipstick off her face, and she's like, "You look like a little child." And I'm like, "That's weird. That's gross." And uh, and then she like goes over to a, si- a mirror at the car next to her to like basically adjust her wipe her lips clean. And then she has like an aha moment. She says, do you still have that piece of glass we found on the lawn? Kevin says, yeah, why? And he gets it and she takes it and she realizes it's the piece of glass that's missing on the car. That's right next to theirs. Dun, dun, dun. And it's, and it's the car. It's the car that we've already seen. So, so we know it now and now they know it. We know it and they know it. <laughs> and now they know and know it. <laughs> That's from the Warriors, sort of. Yeah, I know what you mean. But anyways, so, so my question to you is then, I mean, we got to say it now. I mean, if Kevin's the killer, and he is, I mean, that's the movie. Did he steal Dave's car, use it, you know, the gas and everything, and then park it back without Dave ever noticing it? I mean, the answer is yes, that is what happened, but that's, you know, I don't know, that, that's kind of a, that's a lot to swallow, but okay, that that's fine, but that's, I mean, that's the takeaway, right? Like, am I missing something? No, I don't, did he say swallow? Get back in your closet. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, no, I think that's plausible. It makes more sense than anything else it has to be what happened i mean it's 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 not dave so but it is dave's car so kevin must have of stolen it used it and then returned it and then dave never noticed that the side mirror was broken well i get the sense that he uses the car but he doesn't use it that much okay okay you think he just kind of leaves it there okay that's yeah that's possible this scene that's coming up Basically, Kevin and Christy like stake out the car mm-hmm. from their car. Uh, they're now like across from across in the parking garage. They're across from the 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 killer's car, and they see a woman come out walking towards the car, and she adjusts her skirt like she's adjusting her underwear, and they <laughs> laugh. And then they're like, "Oh, it's a false alarm." And then they see Dave come out 
and he's carrying like a his briefcase and a stack of papers and then the papers fall on the ground and he's kneeling down to pick them up and then he w- takes the stack of papers over to the car the car and at this point I'm all in. I'm all in that it's Dave. You know, yeah. I've I've bought the the red herring aspect of it. Yeah, and then Kevin's like, we got to break into his office and see what we can find, right? Okay. Cut to his office because so okay, so he drops, he puts the papers in his car, closes the car door, and then walks away. You don't know where he's walked away yet. Yeah, and he, he yeah, will in a minute. Yeah, and he's but you're right. He's not taking his car, and he does this multiple times. So maybe. He lives nearby or something and then just uses the car when he needs to or something. You know, I'll I'll take that because, yeah, I mean, no matter what, Kevin has to have stolen the car. Like, that is what happened. So what we have to fill in the gap as to how it how that happened, you know. Yeah, based on, um, you know, the amount of cars I see that people sleep out of, maybe yeah. he uses that as his hoarder mobile, yeah. you know? Yeah, he just puts go. all his papers in there. Yeah. Uses it as an office, and, he's, and then maybe he's got another place that he lives. So well, He does have a yacht down in the marina, so... He does. He does have a yacht in the marina. Maybe he just lives there. He takes the bus. <laughs> yeah. Next to... Never mind. Um, so, so Kevin and Christy are in the hallway trying to pick the lock to Dave's office. Oh, they can't and- get in. And it's interesting because Kevin is picking the lock, so he clearly knows how to. He just says the deadbolt. He's like, I can't get through the deadbolt. He can pick the other ones, which I think is supposed to be telling you, informing you that he can pick locks. Thus, he can probably also hotwire a car as well. True. Just feels like, yeah, true. So plus he's a they, fucking carny, so you know he is a carny. He knows he knows all the tricks <laughs> of the trade. He does. So Christy sees the 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 janitor, the the late night janitor is, you know, mopping a floor. She goes over to sweet talk him to get the keys to the office. She goes and gets the keys, comes back, and they break into his office. Got to know the janitors, baby. I knew the janitors at the places I worked, man. You got hey, to. You got to be good with them. Got the keys to the castle. Baby. <laughs> so they get in. Uh, Christy goes to Dave's desk. Kevin says he's going to look at the like secretary's desk, basically. They're looking around in, in, the, uh, in his office. Can't find anything yet. Then they open up a closet door, which has a bunch of different file cabinets in it and some weird boxes as they're looking around kevin says and here we discover the secret life of david stringer which i thought was a funny line because it's like oh yep this is where we find the good stuff mm-hmm. at that point now the lights to the office the neon light for the sign goes on stringer's now down on the hollywood boulevard so these offices are right on hollywood boulevard he's getting a hot dog he looks up and sees his light go on and he rushes back to his office yeah because he knows what's up yes as he does you hear the elevator open as they're trying to get through the uh as they're still searching through his stuff kevin's starting to find smut mags like you know <laughs> porn mags snm mags stuff like that and, and then some like S and M accessories, chains and whips and ball gags and all that crap. They hear the elevator. Kevin thinks it's a janitor, and he's like, "Why don't you, you know, go sweet talk him?" And Christy goes out to talk to him, and then realizes it's Dave. She comes in and yells at, to Kevin that it's him. 
he tells Christy to stall. So she goes back outside while he's starting to wrap up. Now, and, and the whole time, he's tinkering with the filing cabinet, which is where next time that this this whole scene sort of happened there's like this happens twice um and the next time christy finds the nipples in that filing cabinet i still think that the i think that kevin planted them there i think kevin is doing everything he can to make dave be the killer because he even says later when he's like talking to her from the police station he's like go find anything that can help exonerate me and what would help exonerate him Two nipples. <laughs> two, two fucking severed nipples. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, what if Dave found those before he did? Yeah. I I, I don't know if it's the best laid plan, but it it's seems a, to it's me. It's a plan nevertheless. It's a plan nevertheless, and it seems yes. to me that that's, that's how I put this puzzle together, is yeah. that is that Dave, uh, uh, Kevin is planting evidence. No, I, I can see that for sure. I can see that. So Christy goes out to basically kind of head off Dave before he gets to the office. And she comes out of the office right as Dave's walking up. And he's like, what are you doing in my office? She and goes, I was oh, like, I and at first I was like, how is she going to like play off? Like he can clearly see. And I love that because so many times in movies, you can see that the character would be able to see something, but the movie doesn't sort of allow that to happen here. There's no way around it. She has to come out of his office. And I love the fact that he doesn't buy her fucking excuse one bit. No. And and actually it's really well acted because she's like, well, the, the door was open. He's like, no, the door wasn't open. What do you want? She's like, well, I had a couple questions about my taxes. He's like, I'm not stupid. Yeah. I like that. I love how he fucking said, I'm not stupid. Like you, yeah. I know what you're you're doing something, you know. You got yeah, you girls laugh at me behind my back and I know all about it. It's like that's fine. I don't care. Stay out of my office. She goes, "Well, I'm really sorry. I feel bad about this. Can can we go somewhere and talk about it?" And Dave's like, "No. Don't patronize me." And then he walks into his office and she says all she all she says is, "Damn it," right? Cuts into the office. Dave's now sitting at his desk checking to make sure everything's fine and he like mumbles to himself bitches right he turns off his little the 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 neon light that was on he lights a cigarette and as he's smoking the camera pans over to the closet where kevin is still hiding in the closet basically waiting until he leaves yeah and you fade to black it's actually a creepy scene yeah, it is. And it's very tense. This whole scene was tense with, with him seeing the light come on and heading up. And you're like, how are they going to get out of this? And technically they don't. Like, she doesn't get out of it. Like, he discovers her, you know. And I was like, oh, man, that was that was cool. Again, that was another, like, expectation is that she and, and Kevin would have somehow maybe slipped out of the uh, the fire escape or something like that. But, no, she technically got caught, you know. I, yep. Now, we don't ever sort of see how kevin got out but there's a lot of little holes in this movie that i just i don't care like i I love this movie so much that it they don't bother me whatsoever yeah i'm i for me like the stuff the holes are typical of a b movie Mm -hmm. thriller which i'm okay with and this one rises above that because the acting is so much better the scenes are so much better uh, I'm world building in the sense that he basically wait. Christy went down to Kevin's car and waited for him there. 
Kevin waited until Dave left. Dave eventually left. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they got out together. Yeah, and, and and I think you bring up a good point, dude. Like, let's not forget, I think this is supposed to be a B movie, like on paper, but the, the, the pieces just add up to something much better and, uh, and, and I, but at its heart, it's still a B movie with, you know, some B movie problems, but yeah. they don't, they don't fucking matter because this movie fucking rocks. Something's going to rock in a few minutes, but we'll get to that. <laughs> now we cut to the El Royale motel. And it looks like a happening spot. <laughs> oh my God. It reminds me of a motel that I visited when I first came out to LA with my buddy Jamal and there were cockroaches in the, in the bathroom there were like uh porno newspapers everywhere and he was so annoyed and so like grossed out by this place that he just started pasting the porno newspapers on the walls and the windows just to be a dick like that it was stuck there so people the next person that would come in would just see it or the <laughs> cleaning lady i guess i don't know stuff like that but or it's, so uh, Paul Bartel would uh, would find them. <laughs> I'm sure he would like them. Yes, and so yeah, there's a bunch of uh, ladies of the night. Yes, out on the street that are hanging out by the motel. And Christy, uh, Christy, and Kevin roll up to this place. They get out of a cab, and Christy says, "You know, why don't we go back to your loft?" And and Kevin's like, "I'm not taking any chances with this guy." This place is perfect. It's a perfect place to hide out. And he tells Christy to wait outside on the street while he goes and gets a room. And you see a lady of the night walk by both of them with a guy around her like arm in arm. And she's like, what do you expect for 50 bucks? So you get the idea that this is a seedy part of town. Yeah. Kevin goes up to the counter uh, of the, the the clerk's office, basically the apartment manager, or whatever. Brings the doorbell, and Paul Bartel is appears with a really bad toupee on. <laughs> on that's purpose. intentional. Yeah, it's intentional. It's it's great, and he's. This is another one like the Karen Black scene of getting the phone call uh, from the police officer. And it was for different reasons. That scene was great. This scene is probably my second favorite scene in the movie, just for all different reasons, but mainly for how amazing Paul Bartel is. <laughs> totally. He's great. So Kevin says, I need a room for one night. And the clerk's Bartel goes for two of you. And Kevin goes, no, I'm alone. And then the clerk kind of looks at Kevin with a smirk on his face. And Kevin goes, is there a problem? And Bartel goes, he doesn't have a name, by the way. Bartel goes, no, it just seems strange. That's all. By the way, looks like my former boss, Robert from Video Man. Is that what Robert from Video Man looks yes. like? So okay. for all of you patrons to $2 <laughs> late fee who listen to Tales from a Video Store, and I've talked a lot about Robert extensively on Tales from the Video Store. You know, I talked about him on Pad, too, before, too. <laughs> oh, I, I have, yes. This is what he looks like, Paul Bartel, in out this movie, dark. Out of the Dark. That's so great. So thank you, Aaron, once again, for reminding me of my creepy guys from the past. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Trauma. <laughs> trauma from Zach. It's not a good episode if it doesn't have trauma from Zach. That's right. I know I know. Bert loves it, so. Uh... <laughs> Bert, Bert. So... Yeah, so the Bartel goes, I should just call him Balzer. So Balzer says, 
It just seems strange, that's all. And Kevin's like, what? Because, well, it's just we have a rather limited clientele here. Usually either families passing, passing through town or mm, couples looking for an hourly rate. We don't get many single businessmen. <laughs> so what's your story? Kevin goes, I just need a room. That's it. If you want a story, read a book. <laughs> and Balzer adjusts his hair and he goes, you don't have to be ashamed if you've got a friend with you. And he kind of looks around. He or she, she or he is welcome. And Kevin just, and, and Kevin goes, can you just give me my room, please? All right, all right. Fill out this form. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Kevin and Christy going into the room. Christy's commenting on how seedy it is. And they get in and uh, Kevin says, look, look, look at this as an adventure in sleaze. You should see the guy that runs this place. I'm like, this uh, is a Corey special right now. I know. It's all movies and adventure in sleaze. Yeah. Immediately cut to them both practically naked, flirting with each other. And Christy looks like she's about to make moves on Kev. And then she's like, um, can you take that picture off the wall? And she's like joking with him. Yeah. It's actually very funny because she's like, oh, I just, she's like kissing his stomach. She's like, can you, can you, can you take that picture off the wall? And can we take it home? I was like, ah, okay. And then kind of Kevin's going to sort of give it back to her as well and this is fun i think it's a fun little cute little game they're playing you know of build build the person up and then kind of you know whatever it's fun it's a cute game to get to the point of them basically having sex fucking like rabbits and that's what happens fucking like rabbits with like the editing is quick the 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 motions are fast and mean i have never seen I've seen movies attempt to show love. I've seen movies attempt to show making love, having sex. Never seen a movie attempt to show what, like, fucking, like, rabbits, the phrase, looks like. And, uh, you know, I'm watching this, and I'm just like, wow. And I'm, I'm reminded, you know what? I'm glad that I grew up on Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor making sweet, passionate love. <laughs> because if i grew up with like this if i replaced that sex scene as like the one of the most influential sex scenes of my life with this one i think i would have turned out a very different person i agree i agree (laughs) what are you doing here i just i just want to say this is my favorite scene in the movie of course it is of course it is (laughs) Get, get back in your closet and drink your warm milk Thank you. Of course it is. But yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Fucking like rabbits. Yeah. It's a pretty long scene too. It goes on for like a couple minutes. So. Yeah. And it's not terribly sexy. It's not that sexy, Jack. (laughs) No, it's sweaty and, but you know, it's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. So Yeah. yeah. (laughs) From there, you cut to two hookers. Oh, sorry. Two ladies of the night outside. One of them is Lainey Kazan. Okay, so that yeah, that's what I didn't when you mentioned her earlier. So so who is she? What what's like her sort of deal? So Lanny Kazan, I mean, she, I think for like mainstream recent audiences, they know her for uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Um, but she's got over two hundred credits to her name. She's been around since the '60s when she started acting. 
Um, she's been in so many things, mainstream to not mainstream. She was in the Delta Force for those that are, you know, wondering like a fun kind of B action movie. Um, yeah, I mean, she was in Lady in Cement, which came out in 1968. The uh, uh, Frank Sinatra, Raquel Welch movie. Okay. She was on Car 54 in this in the 60s, you know, okay. one episode of that. Like, she's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, most recently, she's in, like, Chicago Med, which is a TV series, and uh, Fuller House, and a lot, a lot of television. You know? Oh, she was in that um, TV series Hotel with uh, James Brolin. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, she's been in a ton of things. So, for for... She's at a higher level than Paul Bartel, I think. When she pops up on screen, you're like, holy shit, that's Lainey Kazan. And she's talking to the other lady of the night about stocks and microbiotics. Yeah, and then yeah, suddenly which, which is great. I, I actually really love that. The fact that, like, there are these two ladies of the nights, but they're talking about where they invest their money, essentially, because, you know, they're they're smart about it. And I was like, this that's cool. I, I dig that. It's really funny. It's a really funny scene because suddenly someone approaches them. You know it's the killer, Bobo. And then the the other lady of the night that's uh, not Lainey Kazan uh, says— uh, Lee, her, her name is Lee, and her uh, real name is Bonnie uh, Bradigan, and uh, she was in Steel Justice. Uh, she was in Blood Diner. Um, and then only a couple more things outside of this. So she only has like six—, six Seven movies under her belt. Oh, okay, I, yeah, yeah. Lee, and she does... I she found does, her to be quite hot, to be honest with you. No, I agree, I agree. Yeah, she introduces herself. She says, I'm Lee, want a date? And then she looks at uh, Lanny Kazan's character and says, you want to do a threesome? <laughs> and Lanny says, can't. If I turn a trick right at... If I turn a trick right before I go home, Janice complains about the smell. <laughs> and then she walks off. Like, oh, Good God. Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, from there, the lady of the night tells the person that you don't see. You only see, like, the profile of the guy to follow her. Cut to Lee in a hotel room with probably Bobo the Killer. Is it and she's, so? Is that your takeaway? Is is, is it Bobo? I, I I thought it was maybe. Well, he's not wearing a mask, right? But I also thought maybe it was uh, the the killer that Divine is is following. So like, I, I thought maybe it was actually a whole separate killer. I actually thought maybe this was actually uh, uh, Skinner um, doing it. You know, because of his stuff. I don't know. I, I was. Throwing out ideas in my head. What is is your takeaway that it's that it's Bobo slash Kevin? Yeah, because I, I think uh, Christy's asleep now at this okay. point. Okay, and he's You're gonna right. he's got to get some, and it's right next door, right? Okay, it's, it's in the same building. Okay, all right, and that, that's he's got to get his fix. You know, that's that's my take. Okay, um, and then yeah, so she she's in lingerie, and she starts to walk to the bathroom, and she's like, you know, help yourself. I'll be out in a second. And she starts, she's checking herself in the mirror, adjusting her hair, whatnot. And she yells out, you doing all right out there? And then suddenly the door to the bathroom opens up and the killer's standing there. And she goes, oh, you're still dressed. And then he throws something at her. Yeah, which it's it's a balloon like, or like something. Like a balloon. <laughs> because the, the camera never 
cuts and it's it's pretty close on on lee the 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 character like it's a close-up like it's it's only like from her collarbone to her head you know so like you see something fly past her and you're like what the fuck was that and then she gets hit by something glass and shatters and goes down but that's yeah like a bottle and that's all you like and that's it and it's just it's just weird like what you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of what hits blaine in the neck in predator before he gets his chest shot yes. out it's like what is that like what what the fuck is that like did the predator miss like what did did uh bobo just like throw a balloon at her or something that's it's what weird. i thought that's yeah what i too. thought that's why i thought it was the killer uh you know bobo but right he hits her with like yeah she gets hit with a bottle and it's all from the killer's perspective so you don't see who it is yeah and it's actually kind of it's a really interesting shot so she goes down and then a someone wearing fingerless gloves which that never gets a call back at all uh is adjusting the faucet in the shower or the tub and you see blood mixing with the water and turning it red. And the fingerless gloves, I think, is what threw me off, too, because Bobo's been wearing white gloves the whole time. So I'm still not entirely convinced that, that this was actually Bobo the killer. So it's just coincidental is what you're saying? It's possible. Yeah, Again, it's, it's yeah, it's possible because they've also been building up the, the killer that Divine has been. The, the, what's Divine's character? Flanagan? Uh, yeah. has, Langella. Langella. There you go. That Langella has been following. I thought maybe there was just this weird cross section that just happened to happen. Ultimately, I guess it doesn't really matter because we're still going to end in the same place no matter what. Um, but yeah, I just, I wasn't sure. So, you know what, everybody out there and Aaron, uh, you know, weigh in on this is the, is the, uh, the killer of Lee is, is that Bobo as well? Or is that a separate killer? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. Good question. So we, we cut to the next morning and Balzer is making his rounds and he hears a splash and he looks down and he stepped in a puddle. And he's kind of staggering as he leaves his uh, his office or his room. Well, I mean, it's it's the look of a person whose job is to work at night, and now the cold light of of morning is just is is horrible to them, you know, yes. basically. Yeah, yeah. And he's he looks down at this uh, pool on of pool of liquid on the ground and smells it, and it's blood. And he follows the trail to the hotel motel room and he opened and there's water pouring out. It's disgusting. It's like so much water with blood pouring out. He opens up the door to the motel and the place is just flooded and he's complaining. He's like, those girls are so damn irresponsible. <laughs> he's, he's not as disgusted as he should be because no. his converse are soaked with blood water. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be bothered too much about that, but then he walks, follows the water into the bathroom, and then sees in the bathtub the body of Lee, and he yells out, Holy Jesus! And and she's cut in half. And that's yes. another reason that I, I'm not quite sure that it's Bobo, because that's not Bobo's M.O. Bobo's M.O. is to strangle you to death, you know? so That's true. That's a good point. It, it's, a, it's a quick shot, though, and I appreciate it because it leaves more to the imagination than anything else. Agreed. Agreed. I, and I like, I like how it's handled. It, it is gruesome if you pause it, but it goes by quick if you don't. Uh, yep, totally. So from there, the cops have now shown up at the motel, 
and looking across from looking across the parking lot is Kevin in his room with Christy. She's waking up. Kevin's freaking out. He's panicking and he tells her to get dressed and they start getting ready to leave. And I'm like, if you're innocent, you got nothing to worry about. Right. But but he's also they're on to him for something else. I again, I really think this was a different killer. And Kevin's like, fuck, are you kidding me? You know, yeah. what's going on right now? From there, cut back to the motel and you see a rather large, heavy set detective coming out dressed very nicely. And it's Langella. And he's walking, Myers is walking up to him, and Langella is played by Divine. He's got a really nice mustache. Yeah, dude. I I think Divine did a great job as playing a cop. Like, he's he's got, but he, I mean, he's got that Divine voice, and yeah. there's some like. Oh, like, Myers, this isn't your guy. Yeah, but it fucking works, man. No, it does. And, and I'm fucking RIP to Divine. Thumbs up, man. Thumbs up. It, it's great. It's great because he, yeah, he's yelling at Myers, and Myers is like, "How do you know?" And Langella goes, "Different mo," and she was a prostitute. And you know what? I'm with Langella on this. Yep. And and Myers is like, "Well, I'm just gonna snoop around a little. You don't mind, do you?" Yeah, I do mind. Good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because they have this little bit of a of a rapport, like a back and forth rapport that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, there's ego. You know, they're yeah. both want to swing their cocks around and Langella looks at another uh, police officer and says, snoop around stupid schmuck. Couldn't find his pecker in his pocket. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. <laughs> Fucking love divine showing up as, as Langella. It's fantastic. It's, it's a stroke of genius is what it is. Right. And so now we're cut back to Balzer talking to uh, Myers and Balzer's like, I run a legitimate business. No garbage around here. Mostly all we get are young businessmen. And Myers, to quote uh, President Biden, cut the malarkey. Have you seen this guy hanging around your... Have you seen this guy hanging around your legitimate business? And he pulls out a mugshot of Kevin. So Balzer realizes, yeah, he has seen this mugshot. It is Kevin. And now Myers and McDonald are with Balzer and they're starting to walk over to Christine Kevin's motel room. And then Myers yells over to Langella, Hey Langella, I may have a surprise for you. And Langella says, if you can find it, I'll look at it. <laughs> and and then Langella with another cop is walking with them now over to the motel room. Kevin and Christy have split out the back window of the motel and they're like running down like the pathway behind the motel, like the little, little alleyway. Yeah. Alleyway. So they're scurrying off, right? And the Balzer is like walking with the cops and he's like making small talk, which is funny because he's like, you know, this this isn't my real hair, you know. It's <laughs> Myers, which is fucking funny. And he's fumbling with the keys to get the uh the door open, and Myers and McDonald enter the room with their guns drawn. And McDonald says he's gone. And Myers is like, I can see that. <laughs> and Langella, who's with another cop, they just kind of look at each other and smirk, right? Because yeah. there's nothing to find. Myers is pissed, yells, damn it. So Kevin and Christy are now back at the parking garage. Kevin takes a gun from his glove box and he gives it to Christy. And he's like, this is for protection. Take it. And Christy's like, I don't know. And Kevin's like, well, just in case, right? 
And she takes the gun and she puts it in her purse. And he says, I'll see you at four o'clock. And he kisses her and then he leaves. From there, it cuts to Kevin leaving his apartment. So they basically said their goodbyes to each other. Kevin went to go get some stuff from his place. And as he's leaving his apartment, Myers and McDonald are on the stairs. And Myers just says, busted. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everyone. Co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. And now, back to the show. Cut immediately to an interrogation room. A very, like, stereotypical interrogation room, but I enjoy it, especially since... This shot is like all one take, you know, type yeah. of thing. Yeah, it, it's it's a really well done scene, very minimally, mm-hmm. right? And Kevin says, you know, I'm not going to play any games with you. Christy and I were there last night. And Myers is like, like, this is some big confession. I know you were there. And then McDonald says, you and Christy? The clerk said you were alone. And Kevin says, well, I was trying to protect her. And you're like, oh, you fucked up, dude. <laughs> Kevin's like, I'm not stupid. I know I'm a suspect. That's going to look great. Me showing up at the scene of a crime. And McDonald says, but you were with Christy. You had an alibi and you blew it. Now you're in even deeper shit. And I like and Kevin, how there's only the one light in there. And like Myers like does the whole thing where he like it's the hanging light that's hanging over the table. And he yeah. kind of hits it, you know, like you would normally do in a, in a detective movie like this. But yeah. normally the person would be so scared they wouldn't do anything. But I like how Kevin's like, uh, okay, and just kind of readjusts the light back down, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Myers is like trying to be all tough guy and make them. Myers is being bad cop. Yeah. McDonald's being good cop. Exactly. It's cliche. Yeah. Very cliche, but on for purpose, you know, totally. And Myers is like, look, there's dead. There's, there's four dead girls and we're going to pin this one on you. And then Kevin's like, wait, what time is it? McDonald says three o'clock. And Kevin goes, you got to let me go. I'm supposed to meet Christy. She's not safe alone. And Myers is like, it'll be interesting to see how safe she is while you spend the night in jail. And Kevin's like, you can't keep me here overnight. And Myers is like, watch me. And McDonald tries to be good cop. And she's like, take it from the top. Maybe you're leaving something out. And Kevin's like, I get a phone call, right? I want my phone call. And Myers is like, fine, come on. It's a cool shot because, again, this is all one take. And then Myers kind of brings the phone over to him and then walks towards the camera, you know, sort of making the camera black go go to black because of his silhouette. It's It's a very well-constructed scene. Like you said, minimal, but very effective. Yeah, totally. 
cut to Christy now at her office and she's reading, uh, she's at her office window and she's reading out of Africa, which I found to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Phone rings and she immediately picks it up. Kevin lays in. He's like, you know, Myers has me and he's not, not letting me go. You got to listen to me. You got to get into that filing cabinet and find something, anything on Stringer. See, that that's what I'm saying. Anything to like sort of exonerate me. And he specifically says, I think, filing cabinet. I think he planted the nipples there on in Stringer's uh, office when she left, but he was still stuck in there for a few moments. Or even when Stringer leaves and, and the office that night, and then he, you know, Kevin had to leave himself. You know what I mean? So that's when he planted the nipples that he cut off of Joanne. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I, that's fair. This is where it gets really interesting. So yeah, you cut back to the interrogation room. Now it's just McDonald and and kevin and she says to kevin she she's like you know she just says his name and his head's down he like looks up like totally exhausted looking out of it and he said he and he says you do believe me don't you and mcdonald says i don't know kevin i don't know it's kind of a slow pan back and forth yeah very slow very little awkward little awkward but it, it works but i appreciate that they're that they were given a moment you know i i appreciate it but yeah didn't need to like honestly you could have cut that as well you could have cut that five seconds or ten seconds but i think it worked man i think it worked no yeah it's not terrible it's not bad just it was just one of those scenes where like yeah okay sure yeah from there you cut to dave walking on hollywood boulevard and a homeless man like grabs him and he asks for a smoke and then they like share they, he gets a cigarette to him but then the homeless guy's got a, a, cig, a lighter so he lights dave's cigarette and they're having a moment for for just a half a second a beat and then he looks up at his office and his lights go on in the office and he flips right? so it's it's panics. almost like he panics it's almost like the same setup as before um which is kind of like a little bit weird but at the same time, I was like, okay, because she's not, you know, a professional cat burglar or anything, you know. But I also like the moment that that Dave had with the homeless person. The homeless person asked him for a cigarette. He gives it to him. But then Dave's like, oh, I don't have a light. Then the homeless person gives him a light. And he's like, oh, thanks. I was, yeah. like, I was like, yeah, that never happens in L.A. because all the homeless people are fucking deranged. Yeah, you do that in L.A., you're going to get it hurt so don't do that in la (laughs) yes you will so i i take it that she accidentally turned the light on in his office because it's not just the neon light that goes on but it's the main light it's the main light switches yeah Yeah, she hits it and she's like oh and then she turns it off right away type of thing immediately yeah and she walks over to the uh closet and she starts trying to pick the lock of the file cabinet that's not working I'll get to how she opens it in just a second because you cut back to Dave who's running into the building and he goes to the elevator. All the elevators either seem to not be working or they're just going very slow. So he bolts up the stairs to his office. <laughs> and that's where I've, I'm getting Venkman vibes because there's also a weird like he's breathing and but they incorporate it into the music so they make it sort of echoey. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I love it because again, the score in this movie is fan-fucking-tastic. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so yeah. while while Dave Stringer's running up the stairs, they kind of weirdly incorporate his 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 breathing into the song. It, it's awesome. It's fucking awesome. 
So I, I just want to point out really quick that this film had two composers, Paul F. Antonelli and David Wheatley. And it uh, looks like Paul F. Antonelli did a lot of television stuff. But David Wheatley was the composer for China O'Brien and China O'Brien 2. Okay. And Speed Zone. So right there, those are cool. Three cool uh, movies to point out, in my opinion, that he worked on. So shout out to the music for oh, sure. Yeah. But so you cut back to Christy trying to yank the file cabinet open. It's not opening. It's like cutting back and forth to Dave going up the steps, her trying to open up the cabinet. She finally has a uh, umbrella <laughs> that she bangs against the file cabinet to open it up. She finds a velveteen jewelry box in there, or velvet jewelry box. Yeah. And she opens the jewelry box up, and she practically gags because you see Joanne's nipples. Not Joanne's fabrics, but Joanne's nipples. All aged and weathered. <laughs> I mean, I guess, it, I mean, so it's either, it either is Dave Stringer is another serial killer, which I just don't think, or Kevin planted it. Like, that's the only other option that you have. Yeah, yeah, he he probably did plant it. When he did, how he did, it's a little loose. It's you know, this is a, This is the part where people could knock it just a little bit, but I don't mind because it looks bad. Uh, Stringer now at this point is is Dave is there. Barge is in the office. What's going on here? She's like, I know you're the killer, right? She fucking like clocks him in the fucking face too. She like punches yeah, him and shit. Yeah, she she gets all up in his face and she charges him. Yeah, she's more aggro than he is. Yeah, and you know he yells at her. It's like you whores are all alike. Why can't you just leave me alone? And that's when she shoves him against the wall and like charges him. And he's got blood coming out of his mouth. And she's yelling at him, you bastard. He looks up at her and he's like, you know, you know, I wish I was the killer. God knows he'd be pissed, but he's able to do something about it. And she's like, you lying bastard. And then she punches him after he stands up and he punches her back. Yeah. He starts chasing her down the hall. Right. And he's like, yeah, I am a lying bastard. She's like, and they're like yelling at each other as she's running off. She's like, you're out of your mind. And he goes, you ought to know, you fucking bitch. <laughs> it's it's and intense as they're it's as intense. they're running down those giant like like downward spiral staircase, you know. Yeah, and you think about like he's this guy. If this guy has a hot dog every day, he's probably not in the best health, and he's a smoker too. So there you go. Exactly. And he's chasing her down the staircase. He tackles her at the ground floor, and he starts strangling her. So I think this is all like out of rage, you know. Yeah, I do too. I do too. She knocks him off of her. By kneeing him in the crotch, I believe. Yes. And she runs. This will be the first of like two crotch shots I think she'll give to people. <laughs> and she runs out of the building. But Dave runs after her. Runs outside. She runs across Hollywood Boulevard across the street. He hobbles after her and he's yelling at her, what do you want from me? And she's yelling across the street, I want you to run hell, you murdering son of a bitch. And then he starts running kind of hobbling towards her and out of nowhere a car plows into him and knocks him like in the air and 
doesn't totally kill him just yet, but he's about to die. Yeah, I don't think he's dead instantly, but he's going to be dead by the end of this scene. And I love where this scene goes. Me too. She Christy's like, oh my God, like this is the best thing that could happen. So she's like sort of crying out of like relief and everything, but, but across the street. But then this guy gets out of the car and he's like, oh my God. The guy ran out in front of me. <laughs> and well, this is yeah, that guy so, you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah, so she's sobbing. Like, this is her big dramatic, you know, Oscar-winning moment where she's crying, like wailing practically. Yeah, and then the guy comes out. At first, at first I thought it was what's-his-face that plays Batman. Uh, <laughs> from, Kevin Kevin Connor? Uh, no, no, the original 60s Batman. Oh, yeah, it does kind of look like fucking... We saw him in One Dark Knight, too. Yeah, Adam West. Adam, Adam West. West. He does yeah, have a little bit I'm of like, Adam West vibe, you know? Because this guy comes out and goes, I, I didn't see him. He just came out of nowhere. And, I'm, and I go, oh, no, it's that Tab Hunter guy, the heartthrob from the 50s and 60s. But he and gets, like, a funny, whole scene. He gets a whole scene right here. Right? right? It's hilarious because... You now cut to Dennis, who just happens to be standing idly by drinking. <laughs> yeah. And he's laughing. He goes, serves you right, you goober. <laughs> you goober. I love that. I love calling a dead man a goober because he got run over by the car. It's great. This is my favorite fucking Jeffrey Lewis moment. <laughs> you <Yeah>. goober. <laughs> and Chris, cut to Christy crying still. Cut to the driver saying, oh, wait, no, he's still breathing. Someone check his pulse. <laughs> and he starts talking about his watch. He's like, oh, that's a nice watch. He's like talking to the guy like next to him. This is the driver of the car talking <laughs> to the guy next to him. He's like, how much do you think that watch is worth? And I'm like, and at this point, this was like. It's not the nail in the coffin for my love for this film because that is literally the last 30 seconds of this movie. Yes. But, like, I was like, this movie's fucking wild. <laughs> Giving well, scenes to just random dudes, you know? It's got, you got three things going on because you got him asking about the, the nice watch. You got, <laughs> you got Christy Dennis, crying on the side of the road. And then Dennis you got calling Dennis, him a goober. <laughs> yeah, and laughing and drinking, like all cutting back and forth. <laughs> And and then at the end of this, I pause it and I, I'm like, because I have to go pee or something as I'm want to do. And I check the time and I'm like, why is there still 12 minutes left in this movie? You know, Oh, because some because we're not done yet, because we're right? not done yet. Now you cut to the next scene. There's a there's a picture of a of a of a document that says officer suspension notice and the camera kind of pans up from the document and it's a news a a hand holding a newspaper it's myers and he's looking at the newspaper headline that says phone sex killer dies in freak auto accident accountant worked next door to girls and you see myers face and he looks away concerned that's nice to find out that he worked right next door to them too yeah and from there, you cut to Kevin and Christy driving down a desert road heading towards the cabin that they talked about earlier in the movie. Yep. By the way, there's a killer, a more killer guitar soundtrack oh, yeah. as, this is, as, yeah. a, as this is going down the road. Fucking fantastic. In the sweet convertible. They pull into this house. It's off. It's really off a beaten path, dirt road. Pull up to this house. You don't get a really good shot of the house, but you can tell it kind of looks dilapidated 
um, they just probably use the exterior and they use the a set for the interior. Yeah. And they they get out of the car. They're both wearing like winter clothes at this point. He's got a fancy red well, scarf on. Well, that that makes sense. I mean, I track this movie is probably being shot in January or February. Yeah. And then now they're off in the desert. It gets cold in the desert during this time of year. Yeah, really cold. So now you're cut to the inside of the cabin and they're both freezing. And Christy asks if there's blankets in the car. And Kevin tells her to go check while he starts the fire. She goes out to the car and she opens up the trunk, which is the front of the car on a Carmen Ghia, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And she's pulling something out and she notices something, but you don't see what it is. But she looks Cut. shocked by it. But she looks shocked, yeah. Cut back to Kevin, who's now making the fire. And he's asking if everything's all right. And he mentions how there's hot cocoa in the kitchen. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Christy appears, but she's wearing the clown mask. Kevin turns around. She pulls the mask off. And she says very calmly, was I your next victim? And then screams, you know, answer me. And Kevin's like, I never hurt you, which I thought was interesting. I never hurt you. I emotionally hurt you. Yeah. And he moves towards her and she tells him to stay away. And he backs up and he sits down on this couch because they're in the living room. He goes, you got to believe me. I love you. I never want to hurt you. She tells him to stay back. And she goes over to her purse, but she's looking in her purse for the gun that she was supposed to have. (laughs) But she pulls out a hairdryer, by the way, which I thought was really (laughs) funny. And he goes, honey, it's not in there. And then he holds up the gun kind of like with, with his one finger and shows her that he's got it. And Christy says, you got to turn yourself in, you know, tell them that you want to see a doctor. And he's like, you're right. I do need help. And he puts, and he kind of props himself on the couch and he goes, I can't be alone. Bad things happen to me when I'm alone. If there had been someone with me, someone to help me, none of this would have ever happened. Those girls would be alive now. And he's still holding the gun. And Christy's like, why didn't you tell me? I would have helped you. I love you. And he goes, well, that's easy for you to say now, but you don't really know me. I mean, at this point, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, what is going to happen? Shocking. Yeah. He goes, did I ever tell you that I, I worked as a professional clown and he (laughs) takes out a cigarette and he goes, I toured all over. It was great. And he lights the match for the cigarette. And then he puts the match in his mouth to put out the cigarette or the, the match fire, the match flame. He goes, it was a great life, but the circus broke up. People getting killed. So did he do that, do you think? Was oh, he yeah. The, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I really do love you, even though that doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot right now. I think what we have could kill the other side of me, the dark side. But if you don't love me anymore, the best thing you can do is to take this gun and kill me right now. And Christy goes, Kevin, how can you... Ask me to kill you. I want to help you. I love you. And he hands the gun to her. Wasn't expecting that. No. Me neither. And he goes, I love you too, Christy. I want you to help me, please. And she kind of puts the gun to the side. And she starts hugging him and kissing him, right? Or like embracing him Mm -hmm. on the couch. 
and he kind of puts his hand near his belt. And as she's hugging him, he says, Oh, Christy, why did you fall for it? Why did you fail my test? (laughs) Out of nowhere, he pulls his belt out and he puts it around her. Yeah, because he's kind of like she she's sitting next to him. He's kind of it's like a he's feigning that that he wants to be comforted, but he's really pulling out the 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 belt, you know, the belt is going to spank her. And then and then she goes, what test? You want to do it now? You want to do the line? Yeah, I do. Okay. Bobo was giving you a little test to see how much smarts you had, honey, and I'm afraid you didn't do very well. <laughs> and that's right, Bobo. Bobo the fucking clown, you dumb shit. That's pretty good, Bobo. Thanks. He goes right into it, man. Like he he and I like that. I like hearing him and seeing him. Bobo, I like seeing you shift into your Bobo persona. I think it's very cool. Thanks. It, it, it's a little bit different than what I was doing in the beginning. So, you know, for 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 this part of the breakdown, I'll just say, you know, when I had her, I said, do you think Bobo was a fucking idiot? Turn myself in? Ask for help? Don't you know what they do to killer clowns? They send them to the fucking funny farm, you stupid bitch. <laughs> and I just want to point out one of the reasons why I was talking like that is because... I didn't have my mask on. I was, if I, I was, had my mask on, I would have sounded like that. But instead, I sounded like this. Yeah, I was, was going to say, you you were missing your very important piece to, to get into it. Yeah, because at this point, I said, I should really be wearing my mask for, for this because it's my normal voice now. It's hard not to get into this shit if I'm not wearing my mask. You know what I mean? It's an integral part of the character. Yeah. And I, then I went to reach for the mask. But when I did that, Christy need me in the balls. That, Bobo, just go back to your closet. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back as I get blasted out the window. But so yeah, Christy, I, yeah, Neil needs him in the nuts. She's she's not she's not an idiot. No, no, she's not. And I do like how he's like, I, I need the mask for this. Like, I like that because, yeah, there's something to the mask with him. There's a connection. We don't know it. You know, fully, and we're never going to know it fully, but I like that there's something there, that he needs it, you know? Exactly, exactly. So she has her, she has the gun now, and she's holding the gun on him, and she says, okay, Kevin, Bobo, I'm calling the police, and then we're going to sit, and then we're going to sit here quietly until they get here. And then Kevin says, go ahead and take it, Bobo. No extra business in Bobo's act. I I love that. I love how he calls it business. It's fucking great, and it's gonna come. It's, it's gonna come later, and I I want to do the 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 very last one. If 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 Bobo doesn't mind, I would like to do the last one. Bobo, do you mind? I I, I guess not. I I like Corey. <laughs> I don't like you. You never <laughs> like me, Bobo, because you make me stay in a closet. Because you're a psychopath. Well, yes. this is true. <laughs> you are. Just, just come back later. Okay. So, and, and it's cool because at this point, we really do see Kevin is fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, lost it, right? So Christy tries to go make a phone call. Kevin jumps in front of her and says, what does he say, Bobo? I wouldn't do that if I were you. And then Christy says, I'll shoot. I mean it. I mean it. But Bobo, Bobo, what did you say? 
Well, I said it with my normal voice. Okay, just just say the line. You think I'm dumb? You think that gun's really loaded? Come on now. Why don't you just let Bobo do his thing? And they this is cool because they like close up on his eyes and they close up on her eyes. Suddenly the phone rings, which kind of breaks up the moment. Yeah, cuts the tension a little bit. Yep. And then I lunged at her. Yeah, you lunged at her. And then what happens? Well, she unloaded on me. That's a change in direction. What? That she? Oh, stop with your loaded stuff. Get get out of here. Yeah, she plugs him a bunch of times in the belly. Yeah, and the like squ- maybe four or five times. Yeah, and the squibs are great. They're fucking awesome squibs. And I love when he fucking falls on the couch. The phone is still ringing, and he's like, "Who could be calling at this?" hour as he dies and i'm as like he's dying and i'm like this movie's fucking great this movie's hilarious and and terrifying in two seconds it's so great it's a wonderful scene and you played it very well bobo now go to your closet okay so the line she finally picks up the phone because the phones keeps ringing mm-hmm. by the way yeah after this happens and picks up the phone the phone goes dead she hangs up she pushes the button to hang up the phone it's a rotary phone and she dials for the operator she gets an operator on. She asks for the LAPD. And the camera's like on her, sort of like a medium close-up shot. So her back is turned to the to dead Kevin now. But then suddenly Bobo pops up behind her. She's put on hold from the operator. When she gets someone on the phone, she asks for Lieutenant Myers. Bobo's creeping closer to her. This is a really yeah. creepy scene. Yeah. But meanwhile, I'm like, the guy should have been dead. You should have been yeah. dead, Bobo. I know, but this is movies. Okay, whatever. And I, and I take it like it's a slasher thing where like he's got the mask on now, so he's completely imbued with Bo- with Bobo, you know? Yes, yes. The operator says that Lieutenant Myers is on vacation. She turns around to see that Kevin's body is not on the couch, and then Bobo appears out of nowhere and starts strangling her. Suddenly, there's someone with a shotgun appears, and he and he appears, and he cocks it. But then Bobo says, "What?" Bobo says, he looks right at the camera, and I fucking love this. He goes, "No extra business," and gets fucking blasted with the shotgun. Two things: a fantastic squib, yeah, two times, two fantastic squibs, and one of the best bodies getting shot out of a window that I've ever seen in a movie. Like, like he's just getting in slow motion blasted backwards through the window. It is so satisfying. It is such like, talk about sticking the landing as far as like a movie goes like these, this last like three minutes are just fan well this whole last part like this last like like eight minutes is just fan fucking tastic but just ending with him getting blasted out the fucking window awesome totally agree thank you i'm really not (laughs) dead i know we all know that because you're here in the house with me which is really creepy by the way you did a good job flying out that window bobo thanks if it wasn't for that Fucking cop. Okay, go back to your closet now. You're on a timeout. You're on a timeout. Uh, so yeah, he gets plugged twice, dead. You're right. And it and you see who is holding the shotgun. It's Lieutenant Myers. Yeah. Lieutenant Myers walks up, 
Next to Christy, they're looking out the window at dead Bobo on the ground. Christy, looking down at the dead body, says, guess you weren't on vacation. Kind of mumbles it, like, guess you weren't on vacation or I thought you were on vacation. And Myers says, now I am. Come on. And he puts his arm around her and they walk off. Camera pans back to Kevin Bobo, dead on the ground outside the house. Piano starts playing eerily and fades out. The end. Dude. Out of the dark. Aaron, thank you so much. This movie was so much fun. I had no idea what to expect from it. Obviously, I didn't watch the trailer or anything going into it, so I had no idea what this movie was about. Cold, Cold. And man, oh man, T to B, it's not a perfect film. And I think you need to remember that it's intended to be a B movie, but so many individual pieces elevate it, uh, you know, from great cinematography, great fucking music, great acting, great directing. Like, this movie is better than it ever had any right to be on paper, and I think it's a true cult classic. Uh, I don't think too many people know about it but the people that do and just judging by the you know the instagram post that i that i made earlier people love it so uh you know i I, if you don't if you've made it this far and you haven't seen it like zach said earlier like i I hope you you stopped this and went and watched it first because this movie was so much fun is definitely worth a watch if you've made it this far and you still haven't seen it still go and seeing it still go and see it it, it is worth a viewing, and again, Aaron, thank you so much. Yeah, there's nothing, if you, if you, yeah, if you haven't seen it, watching it after listening to this, it's not going to take anything away from your first time watching it, because you're already a savvy horror, sci-fi, cult movie watcher. You'll know the setups, you'll see the setups, you'll expect the setups, they won't necessarily surprise you. But this movie is way better than uh, several films I have seen as of late. I thoroughly enjoyed it, would easily watch it again, have no problem recommending it whatsoever as a first-time viewing. I thought it was great. We clearly both loved it. Um, Yeah, its shortcomings are the same shortcomings that a lot of movies that we break down have. You know, little flaws here and there. Not a big deal. Um, I think what I loved the most was... Everything Corey said, you know, it's it's got so much heart and charm to it when you might not have expected it. You know, the the, the box art is very bland, simple. Uh, but then now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's kind of cool that they did it the way the way it looks. Yeah, I actually kind of like the very simplistic uh, DVD box art for it. But it's like almost as if there wasn't a real theatrical poster for this ever. It was probably a straight to video movie. Yeah. What a shame because I hope people will discover this. I hope sales for this go up a little bit. Yes. So Aaron, thank you for recommending it. <laughs> and I hope I did it justice. Bobo, what what do you what what did you want to say? Uh, I just want to say thank you for resurrecting my career. What <laughs> what career? You're a murderer. 
and your point is my point is go back to your closet i will talk to you later i i will say i think bobo did a great job this episode and uh i I'll i really said that <laughs> i appreciate him being here and uh yeah dude this this movie is oozing with charm i think oozing. i think i think you summed it up the best by saying it's got a lot of charm and i think that's that is where this that's what sets it apart from so many other lesser films of this ilk. It, it is just full of charm, and I loved every fucking second of it, just like I love every fucking second of $2 late fee. Aww. Buddy, what you got going on uh, over there now? I know you're on a little bit of a hi- hiatus this month, though I know you're still cranking out content for Patreon and everything, but what's, uh, what's going on over $2 late fee right now? Well, we did an interview at L.A. Comic-Con in December with Joe Dante and Brendan Hay. Brendan Hay is the executive producer of the upcoming Mogwai cartoon that's going to be dropping, I think, later this year on HBO Max. Okay. We're going to drop that interview. Uh, by the time this episode airs, it'll either be just airing or it'll be airing soon after. That was a really fun discussion we had with Joe Dante, one of the greatest directors of the 80s, in my opinion. Um, of so much great stuff. And yeah, we had a great interview with David Patrick Kelly from the Warriors uh, that we dropped last month. And Zach Ward and Scott Schwartz from A Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, that that was a great one too. So go check out all of those episodes. Uh, Patreon is firing on all cylinders. Actually, Aaron joined us for a special trivia segment we do on Patreon, exclusive to that. That was a lot of fun. Um, we are blasting out fun, like original stuff right now, as Corey knows very well. And our season premiere for season four, that'll drop in the beginning of February. Yeah. I'll talk more about that the next time, nice. uh, for our next episode. That's perfect timing. My birthday month. So, you know, I sure I is. love February. So thank you for dropping it for my month. And, uh, you're welcome. And Robert Ortiz, you got a lot to live up to, my friend, uh, with uh, what, The Convent, which is what I'll be breaking down next. Uh, so this month, January, on Podcast After Dark, is all an all-Patreon month. So Aaron uh, picked this one, and Robert picked The the Convent, and I'll be breaking that one down in a couple weeks. But we do have a, a TV obscure in between, so we, too, are firing on all cylinders this month, yeah. uh, bring, bringing it all back back baby back in the new york groove <laughs> that's happy right. new year by the way happy yeah new year to yeah happy happy 2023 to everybody out there we uh we appreciate the hell out of all y'all oh my gosh and we know that uh you know times are tough and everything with inflation and everything uh happening right now financially so you know if if you can't join patreon we totally understand a free way to help out Podcast After Dark, $2 Late Fee, Manic Movie Monday, any podcast that you listen to, a free way to help them out, and us included, is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, those really, really do go a long way in getting new listeners in front of all your favorite shows and thus allowing all your favorite shows to grow and show. So basically what I'm trying to say is, guys and gals, if you listen to podcasts, leave a five-star review for every fucking podcast you listen to. I don't give a shit if it's us or whomever. Just leave it for them because it really, really does help. 
And uh, if you do want to join our Patreon, like Zach said, we have a bunch of different tiers you can check out. We have the Carpenter Factor over there. We're on year two of the Carpenter Factor. We just... Just wrapped up a Prince of Darkness review. That'll be dropping this month. Uh, so Zach and I are going to have to record our, our They Live review uh, uh, for next month and everything. But, you know, we have a lot of fun stuff going on over on Patreon. We have a new Patreon subscriber to the uh, to the, the Choose a Movie tier, uh, Cam Sully. So we're going to be doing another yeah. movie. We've got three people. We have three, three separate patrons uh, picking movies for us to, uh, to review. So it's, it's freaking awesome. It's really fucking awesome. And I got to say, for you guys, Robert and Aaron, you've chosen some really good movies. Actually, everybody that we've had so far that has chosen a movie has chosen something really unique and fun to break down. Uh, we hope that we did this movie justice. Aaron, I hope that you know you enjoyed this as much as we did. And all you listeners, like if you hear a movie, if you hear us breaking down movies and go, man, I wish they would do this movie, sign up to our Patreon if you're able to. And we'll break down that movie you want us to. Um, and thank God that you chose this one. It's a it's a great one. And Bobo, as always. Oh, this is my favorite part of the show. We'll catch you on the dark side. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.